<laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Movie Marathon. We are continuing our John Woo saga uh, today with the 2003 Ben Affleck vehicle, I guess, uh, Paycheck. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to also call this the haircut and sunglasses movie because <laughs> those are definitely characters in this movie. <laughs> What's up, Mike? Uh, not too much, Murph. So I am very, very excited to talk about this. And uh, somewhat related to something we've been talking about this week, I might be more excited to talk about this than I was for Face Off. <laughs> That's all right. That says something. I, I, I think you and so, I both. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, yeah, I can give you more detail on that. <laughs> A little more explanation. I love Ben Affleck. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, conflicted feelings on Ben Affleck. And I don't <laughs> think I did enough research on 2003 because, man, roller coaster of a tabloid career or tabloid life, movie career life for Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> You really could go deep in the weeds on exactly where he was at any given point in time, because um, it was all kind of documented. Um, was this, anyway, this, why, this? This is like the Ben Affleck, like J Lo, but then he yeah, gets with like um, Benifer time, and like Jersey Girls coming pretty soon, so it's all kind of about to like it, about, the cracks are showing. It, it, it's now, a, he it's paid a him a shitload for this, so he's like still coming. But this doesn't really do great, and it all like it's like oh like yeah. God, he's only thirty kind of when, this, when this came out. Which yeah, it's fucking insane. Oh god. Uh, which yeah, watching this, how young he is, I was like, man, I'm fucking old because. I uh yeah he um so he <laughs> yeah I think I feel like uh, he looks great. <laughs> he, he looks great. I feel like the shortfalls of Ben Affleck will be a, a major theme in this episode. <laughs> um, well, I think you can see. Uh, Maybe some burnout in him, uh, career-wise, on uh, on some things in this movie. But so why I'm excited about this one compared to Face Off, I love Face Off. That was really exciting. But we've been texting a lot this week about some of the numbers this podcast is doing, <laughs> and for some bizarre reason, Hard Target has skyrocketed to our most popular episode ever, which I never in a million years would have predicted. But my like, theory like is in a, in a week, like in one week's time. Right. That's the... Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like it didn't. Like yeah. We've we've had episodes that have been out for a year, and Hard Target passed them already. Like it's not. We're not like. It's not even close. Like, it'd be like a movie to cut, and in one week, make more money than Avatar Two made <laughs> in one week. Yes. Like that. Like, it's just like. It passed the lifetime of other things. Um, but so my theory is there's a sweet spot on podcasts of movies that are underserved that people still watch, still are interested in, but podcasts don't really ever talk about. You know, the rewatchables aren't going to do it. The, um, you're just not. It's, it, I guess it's, it's somewhere. It's too good for how did this get made. But it's, right. It's so, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly where I was going. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, there's an itch. It's real fucking somewhere narrow, in between the rewatchables. <laughs> it's uh, but I think for me talking about it, I also fall in that window. And this movie, this could be a how did this get made? I, I will, I will. Uh, this fully could be. They should probably do it. Uh, but they haven't. haven't. Oh, they haven't. <laughs> I don't. Well, 
I have to look that up. I, I would. You keep, you keep going. I'll, 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 I'll look. Okay, you look it up. I would guess next. I don't. Th I don't think I've ever listened to them do it, but they fully should. Um, <laughs> but uh, let me see. It's a movie I've never heard someone do a podcast about. Um, and so I was like, uh, it's pretty. <laughs> okay, sweet. So it's kind of fun to like go into it and be like, I'm not, uh, not influenced by outside sources. I like. And then it's also, also like maybe this is the wheelhouse of our podcast. We like the movies no one else is doing a podcast about. <laughs> it's a lot of USA movies from circa nineteen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things that went direct to USA. <laughs> Perfect. I'm after uh, their uh, theatrical runs. So we're gonna do a bunch of silk stockings episodes later on. Feel <laughs> <laughs> that's the. Uh, trajectory in my life uh <laughs> you're, you're, podcast i was gonna say you're gonna be a vice cop in in uh in the valley <laughs> is that the, the trajectory um, it sounds better than podcaster on silk stocking so <laughs> uh, it does I, I i hope i actually now I'm, after this episode i'm not gonna do it now but i am gonna look up and see if i really hope there's like a silk stocking uh podcast <laughs> somebody said into it and uh that was definitely I'd be the, disappointed if there's not <laughs> the i always enjoyed that show because it came on saturdays at late at you on usa but then the problem was is because when you're a teenager it's like well there's no nudity so it's like you're always like right there thinking yep this is gonna get good it's gonna get good nope nope the, sorry. the blue balls of tv shows <laughs> blue balls of tv shows is defined yeah. by silk stock <laughs> yeah that and uh, uh family matters Wow. I saw Family Matters on HBO Max now. It's that uh that you need that R-rated uh Stefan or Cal. Yeah. So all right, so he fucks that robot later. <laughs> We've been doing some John Woo movies. <laughs> and uh, other than a couple of things, this feels like John Woo trying to move away from some of the John Woo tropes and things and doing something different um and he admits know, it as much he he, yeah. he was he he actively was trying to go for something different i don't think he in the studio and i don't think he and ben affleck were on the same page for that one um which it, i think is a problem in this movie but this being john woo plus a philip k dick adaptation a year before is like minority report so it's right on the heels of a great philip k dick adaptation I was fucking stoked for this movie coming out of, I mean, I mean the Philip K. Dick thing alone of like, you know, you have the legacy of like Blade Runner, Total Recall, Minority Report, I mean, many others. And then still probably like Kevin Smith has some cachet in my mind. I'm probably like 20 years old when this comes out of like the Kevin Smith era and Ben Affleck of like, oh yeah, I like that. I like that. And it's like John fucking Woo. Like, what, what? Like, it's everything I want, everything I love. Um, so I went to go see this in the movie theater uh, with my dad because this would be up his alley of just the trailer of the concept of the movie. Um, I definitely would see it being appealing to him. And I have a memory of us both being underwhelmed coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> did, did not live up to the hope. So I don't. Do you I, uh, have any recollection of when this came out? I I do not. Um, I remember the BMW. I was super. I'm still am super into BMWs and cars. And I remember that the big draw for me was 
uh, the the BMW Motorrad, which is their motorcycle division, was like a sponsor slash uh, obviously as an advertiser in this movie. So I was like, cool, there's a BMW tie-in. And I don't oh, were think, they? <laughs> I, just for that weirdly for that one scene, they're like, hey, we could just you know make every other car in this movie a BMW, but let's instead just make them go to a fucking car dealer. And he just runs yeah. around and you see all of our cars at once. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, all right, let's do that. And then let's put him in a motorcycle. Right. It's um, like it's almost like it's like BMW of Augusta like sponsored it. Not BMW like corporate. The one I would location. Argue, I would argue it's like BMW of bumfuck nowhere. It's like the tiniest yeah. dealership. No, well, it looks like so it looks I, like a parking lot. Like it looks like, like, right. like a valet it's like lot. When you drive through like a city or something and you see like a random used car dealership, not a fucking BM like brand new, brand new cars. Yeah. yeah no, this is this looks not a like nice, not a nice dealership. Someone got a plot of land and like <laughs> threw some it cars in the lot. It looks like they threw up a BMW um uh, uh store in the, the city where they filmed Rambo uh, first blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's a diner and there's the BMW dealer and then yeah. there's a drifter. <laughs> it's next to it. But uh, no, I don't. This came out on December uh, on Christmas Eve uh, or sorry, Merry Christmas, Christmas Day, America. <laughs> oh, yeah. 2003. And I don't feel like that's a good good thing uh, for paycheck. Um, the only thing I kind of remember about 03. Yeah. Weird and, release date. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I feel like it's a dumping ground. Like maybe people who want to just go see a movie. That's, but that's normally like a big, a big one. To release it on, but like weird for this type of movie. I, yeah, I, I, I will say I have one funny story. It's not technically... trying to get it in to be eligible for the Oscars. That's exactly like <laughs> yeah. Affleck's so good. Really high hopes. Like, yeah, like uh, he already got an Oscar for what writing, or we're gonna get him one for uh, acting now. <laughs> yeah, this is it. <laughs> um, so 03 was the year that uh, he did uh, Daredevil, and that was probably like the early <laughs> like, launch. I, of... I could tell. Uh, uh, yeah you could tell yeah the and, uh, staff skills are on, on point yes i i 100 we're going to talk about it. i 100 think they just they just happened to be like hey i just learned a bunch of this cool shit filming daredevil so um i'm going to do that and we're going to just find a way to shoehorn into this movie that has nothing to do with yep. post <laughs> um so i had this uh girlfriend in college and uh right before and i remember that daredevil came out um february 14th of 03 I'm almost positive. Without looking, I'm almost positive. And uh, this is before we were dating. We were still friends. And I was talking to her. And she's like, yeah, I've been telling people to go see Daredevil. I'm like, why? It looks like a complete piece of shit. She's like, yeah, it is. I'm like, <laughs> why? And she goes, I don't know. I just think it's funny that I'm telling people that how good this movie is. And they go see it. It's a complete pile of shit. <laughs> I was like, uh, that 100% right. sounds like a 20-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I thought it was hilarious. I, I gave yeah. her a lot of credit yeah. for that one because... <laughs> then then this is like to me the follow-on from Affleck of like like hey guess what america if you fucking hated daredevil yeah <laughs> i got one more for you christmas i'm gonna uh, shit this, the box well it's probably where america is like yeah no thank you to ben affleck <laughs> like i do feel I like burned on that one before i yeah and i have to admit i'm i'm not an affleck fan i really don't like him and most most things um and to your point this is this is his peak smugness and, um, and he's leaning into it he's leaning into it way too hard and i think john woo is probably thinking i've got one of the biggest stars in the world i probably can't throw my weight around the way i would if if it's somebody else at least that's kind of what it felt like to me was i got the impression like the thing i kept hearing was 
John Woo did not want to do a Mexican standoff in this. And he said that uh, Affleck like, badgered him into doing it. Do it. Yeah. He's like, I got to, I've got to, because I love the killer and I love hard boil. And he's like, you yeah. got to do this. And John Woo's like, all right, fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you want to. So I, I, uh, I don't remember this necessarily coming out, um, but it did feel on paper. This feels like, as you said, this is a recipe which should make for an, a tremendous movie because you have all these ingredients that that should be yeah. this perfect recipe. And when you put it all together, none of it like nothing. Like, it looks like you made a shit sandwich. <laughs> like you're like, I'm gonna make a delicious BLT, and it's like great. I can't wait to make this. I got a juicy tomato. I got some crisp lettuce. I have some delicious whole wheat bread. And I'm going to put them all together and I end up with a shit sandwich. That's what that's what this is. I mean, shit sandwich seems a tiny bit harsh. But <laughs> My favorite part of uh, uh, um, uh, Spinal Tap. <laughs> Your album Shark Sandwich got a two word review. Simply shit sandwich. <laughs> So, um, yeah, shit sandwich is probably a little tough. It's just weird. It's like, you're right, on paper, uh, it's like drafting the perfect fantasy football team. Like, I got first-round picks on every position, and then they all end up getting hurt, or, like, they all get benched for some better rookie, and you don't see it coming, and it just, like, all of a sudden, your season's just gone, and it doesn't make any sense. But it's like going to this year, be like, I got Jalen Waddle. Cooper Cup, Joe Burrow, Tony Pollard. Like, man, sky's the limit. Like, <laughs> oh man, should I draft Joe Flacco? No, that guy's fucking retired. I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. <do> that. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. <laughs> That's this movie. That is that is this movie. It's like p- making all of the right picks you think for a fantasy team, and none of it works out. <laughs> yeah, and they, and you can see like Minority Reports the year before is a success, and they're trying hard to ride the coattails of that. Which is a Philip K. Dick story as well. Right. Or and they just don't, they don't have the decision makers behind the scenes on like the script and production to pick the stuff that's going to work in a modern movie. It's cast off the stuff that's not going to work. And then also bring in another vision to kind of modernize and make it their own. And that it's just, they're kind of taking like, they're taking the bones of the story and just not really adding a ton to it, almost subtracting from it. Um, so I, so I, um, around this time, like 2003, I was really excited about this movie and that. So probably my late teens, early twenties, um, I was like on a huge, like reading sci-fi kick. Um, so I was reading a ton of Philip K. Dick, um, like Robert Heinlein, Isaac Asimov, and then like contemporary stuff like John Scalzi and Stevenson. So I was like a massive sci-fi person. So like when this trailer came out, like this is a story I had read and knew. And then it was like, oh, that short story I have read, they're making a movie of. So like I am like hyper engaged in this like arena. But the story is from like 1953. So Oh, it's, God, you, it's 50 years before yeah you gotta update it quite a bit like there's just a lot of and then and they the story has a lot of cynicism in, in it about humanity and the and it kind of sheds a lot of that 
without any real like purpose or benefit and takes kind of all the teeth out of the story. Um, I forget where I was going with this, but. <laughs> well, I, I, I think, I think I agree with you that, that that's, that's part of the, um, the problem with it is I think if it had left the cynicism, they took the cynicism out and they didn't replace it with anything. I think that's, and, and then you, to your point, you have the skeleton of the story, which is, uh, I think you've read the story. I, I was just reading some recaps of it, but I think it, it largely revolves around this character of Jennings who Ben Affleck plays. And it's a guy who's making a lot of money uh, basically through as an engineer, through reverse engineering and building these products and then having his memory wiped. So, and I think there's this choice that he has to make in the short story, I believe between like, you know, survival and capitalism. And he's somebody who tries to make the right choice, but ultimately has to kind of for survival, pick, pick capitalism. Well, as that sounds. I definitely but so within the short story i kind of and i'll admit some of these things are easier to do in a short story it's so it's a bit of a complicated adaptation you're stretching it out to two hours and so i one i think that this should probably be an hour and 40 minutes because there's just some questions the premise is going to bring up that you don't want the audience being forced to ask um, so, this, <laughs> so there's kind of like an opening act in this, in the movie of showing, uh, Michael Jennings, Ben Affleck's hair, reverse engineering this 3d computer screen and then having his memory erased and the whole, this, um, whole thing. And I get it. You want the audience to understand who he is, what he does, what the premise is. The short story doesn't have any of that. The short story, no one in the world is aware of this memory erasing stuff. So when he gets picked up by the police, all he can tell them is, I don't remember anything. And they're like, well, that's fucking bullshit. You worked for them for like two years. Like what? Like <laughs> you don't remember anything. And he's in like, he has like interior monologue. Like, well, you, like, yeah, I couldn't believe about this memory erasing stuff like they're never going to believe me and by the time they do they're going to have like beaten the shit out of me assuming i do know something and so he is really like you really reinforce he can't go to the authorities or police um because this like science fiction memory erasing stuff like no one knows about and then they also go to a lot of pains in the story of making the government a bad guy it's a, like while he's been asleep, like authoritarian government has even has gotten worse and is really bad. And it's like it's governments versus corporations. And you either got to be in with one or the other or you're not safe because one of them will like take you. So his whole thing in the story is he's going to blackmail the corporation to join them, to be part of them. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like a, a bit of a cynical view of like, there's like no freedom or justice or like, like you're either with this one group or you're with the other. And like the corporation on this is fighting to eventually have like a revolution against the government to have freedom um, and stuff. So it's interesting that like 1953, it's a little more like corporations might be good. Um, and that has <laughs> certainly changed in like the, 70 years since then uh but 
it, there's a little more complexity in the world of what he's doing. And he is, this tries to position him as like, he becomes a hero who's going to forsake the greed for the movie of to save the world. And then they undercut that later. Whereas like the story is like, he like is like, well, what I'm still, I still just have to survive. What's my best option. And it's like black man in this company to join them and be protected from the government. And that's like a lot more interesting than like the white knight kind of stuff that I don't know, gets a little played out over the course of the movie because it doesn't quite earn never, that or you don't know really enough played. or because he has no memory of it you don't fully buy it like well he never he never this. seems concerned and he, he never seems the stakes never feel that real um yeah that was kind of my issue with it was like he never feels like he's in danger and it seems like somebody who other than like the few scenes where he just seems confused which i think you said that's your favorite affleck is uh <laughs> confused affleck <laughs> so, so there's, there's a scene where oh, oh. he's supposed to get paid like 90 million dollars um but he finds out it's like so four weeks ago you Decided, I'll forego the ninety million. I'll get this envelope of random crap, and now you don't get the ninety million dollars. And then he gets his memory erased. It's the premise of the movie, um, and so he has no clue why he would have done this. And he's just like, his face is like, bro, like far brown, like, but why? Like, <laughs> that just cracks me up. He. he he just kind of looks dumb. I hate to say, I don't know. I don't have a better oh, yeah. <laughs> adjective to describe what his face looks like other than just, he, yeah. he, I don't know. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's, that's a terrible way to describe it, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And it's funny to me that he's going into a bank to get a $90 million withdrawal and somebody who seems to be basically a secretary there is like, well, I'll handle this for you. And then <laughs> yeah. like, Nobody else comes to explain to him like why he's rejected ninety million dollars, right? Like what's going on? Well, also, it's, it's just such a weird. So Aaron Eckhart plays like the big boss, I think Jimmy of this company, who like kind of screws Affleck's character over and stuff. But, like this shit's super important for their company. And they have a whole plan of like once he leaves, he's going to be killed. <laughs> Never a red flag where he gets notified. He decided to forego the millions of dollars and take this envelope of random stuff. Like, seems like a pretty critical well, thing for a payroll to alert the boss of. I go back to, uh, they didn't really need to actually let him go. They could have always just killed him from the beginning. I guess right. they, they the killed because they, they kill like one scientist future. or something, or like yeah, they kill the first guy and then he, yeah. he kind of takes over. Or not, he didn't take over, but they kill that guy. I think while they're working together. Well, it's also bizarre. Um, well, so in the opening act, I had this question about the memory erasing stuff. And because, like, you see so many other people who know about this and are involved in it. It's like this one guy, though, him knowing. And, like, it makes a little bit of sense from the government standpoint or from them. Like, oh, because he's the one who, like, figured out how to do it. So we don't want anyone else to get this technology because that kind of ruins the technology. Uh, if he can do it, but like, it's like, but like all these other people know all about it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. It's like the worst kept secret, I, and I think yeah. um, 
this movie, unfortunately, this this movie to me is like a almost like a time travel movie because they do. Uh, spoiler alert: the uh, the, the big yeah, reveal I mean, basically is, is that he's basically yeah yeah he, that he's got a machine that can see into the future. He's built a machine that can see into the future, and that uh, he's left this bread tra- uh, this breadcrumb trail for himself and 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 this envelope full of tricks that'll get him out of all these different situations that'll ultimately get him to his objective. And I, uh, it, it just. I don't know. It it, 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 like you said, there's, it gives you too many opportunities to ask questions. And it's kind of like, if yeah. you think too hard about like back to the future, or you think too hard about Terminator, you get to all these weird, what if questions that kind of can sometimes blow holes in something. And this has them, but I'd say it does out of the three movies I just named, including this, it does the worst of like addressing and answering the questions. Like, like, <laughs> Or like having a rebuttal built into the movie to 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 accommodate that. Yeah, so there's a, I think a few problems with what they did with it. So in the short story, the envelope has seven items. In this one, it's like twenty or thirty. And so, and they make in a the question short... mark if you lay them out in a certain <laughs> <order>. <laughs> um, But so in this story, he burns through them like either is like using them or like. The plot's progressing without those things, but there's fewer, so it you don't hit all those moments of like, I gotta find a guy looking around. What could be happening? Maybe this key opens that door over there, and it's like in the middle of a shootout. Yeah, and and so you you cut back on some of that stuff because that gets in the movie. It gets. It's hard to describe, but it's it it takes a lot of the tension out. And Wu talked about he wanted to do like a Hitchcock thriller kind of thing, and it takes a lot of tension out because it's almost impossible to criticize anything in this because like well this guy has literally seen the future, so and he knows it's not even like he knows what will be useful in the situation. He's seen what he will do in the situation, so. Whatever is going to happen, like, you can't criticize it for being like, well, that's kind of like coincidence or that seems unrealistic. He'd make that leap because he's looked into the future and seen what he would do. And that's just what happens. And so it never, nothing ever seems like that clever or creative. It's, and when you get a good solid hour plus this movie of that and just kind of like, okay, like, yeah, I kind of get it, but it's not that impressive or interesting at some point. Would, would you have rather seen the process of him in the lab going through hours of seeing this scenario play <laughs> out? I, I, I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious. It was really like, right. Would I'm that like be more? Sus- plan? Yeah. Would that be more suspenseful, su- uh, suspenseful of him trying to probably under undercover of, of what he's doing see what the future is okay. and come up with, no. with different scenarios. Right. Where I see, I see a more interesting movie there because yeah. it's him watching a scene in the future and say like, like he dies, which is minority reports. That's what minority report is. Yeah. Is, it's and Tom then, Cruise committing a crime. And he's like, no, there's no way that could ever happen. I have to. And then stop it. Yeah. And then he creates it by doing it. It's right. But in this, I, I kind of like where you're going where, so all the things like we've we see in this movie that like are stretched out over an hour, 
you condense him down like really quick to how he like to him doing it in like a little montage and like kind of more time leading up to it is him figuring out okay i'm stuck at the train station with my friend there's a shootout and it's like what if i if i do this like what happens um and so you are seeing the clever figuring it out stuff of oh like this like if i gave myself this thing like i don't quite know how that works necessarily but like that sounds more interesting than just whatever he does is going to work and you know it's going to work that's what i was trying to figure out was like would it be a better movie if you took the same I mean, not the same but you use the concept at the beginning where you set up kind of the you do some world building up front you know okay there's the mind erase bullshit um which we're going to talk about that in a minute uh <laughs> and um then you see him get through all these scenario i don't know like maybe it's not suspenseful if you then if the audience then knows all the tricks he's going to be able to use or right, but i think or if yeah, he sets it up if he sets it, like it up month, yeah and then, oh, yeah, and then yeah, yeah it's just not well you have to set up some stakes and that's the problem is the stakes well, it's because you know you've seen he's you know he's seen the future yeah you figure just, that out i feel like it robs the tension quick. it robs yeah. the tension of it because you know he's going to get out of it it's like which all right to your point we were texting about the best scene in the movie um so he has a love interest uma thurman um who they have terrible chemistry but I wouldn't even say they have chemistry, much less terrible chemistry. Yeah, yeah you have to you have to have chemistry for it to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, so they have a relationship, but then his memory gets erased. Um, but they're gonna meet up, and Aaron Eckhart sends a replacement from them to meet up with him, but he has no memory. So like, it's supposed to be a woman to fool him to get him to, you know, you can put that together. Um, and it and Aaron Eckhart's in her ear on like a way radio microphone, like help like feeding her lines. And so it's a face like a face off between uh Oh, it's a face off. Um between the good guy and the and the bad guy. And I feel a reason this is probably the best scene is that's when John Wu is at his best. When you have the protagonist and antagonist really combating each other directly in an interesting way. And so it's this woman trying to fool him but getting fed lines by the bad guy and that has like actual tension in it because the character who's doing this has knowledge knows this guy has seen the future and we have to try to fool him into coming along this, this dramatic tension to it of what's gonna like what's gonna happen is it's like Someone knows about him, but it's like, oh, but has he already seen this? Or now are things different because he's changed it. Well, and, and maybe and, he wouldn't have been able to have seen it. And it, it just creates some tension. It's like it's the best scene in the movie. It's the most interesting thing. Like it, going it really on. is. It really is. And and he doesn't know that that's not Uma Thurman because even if he's seen all of this, he doesn't know that he's seen this part and he doesn't have the memory. And that's what I was thinking was. Right. If you if you could do a, the movie where you set everything up in the same manner and maybe you don't reveal all of the devices that he uses to get out of these things, but you at least set up the fact that he knows he's built this device. He knows he's going to get brain wiped, but he he's on a clock and he knows that, you know, he. 
there's a risk that he's going to die if he doesn't put put a bread trail together for himself. And then the audience's entire suspense is based around exactly what you said. Did he see, you know, do you, do you don't know if he saw this? You don't know if he can, he can figure a way out through it. I, I think you're right. Like that, that one scene in the the restaurant where uh, you've got Wolf, the, the henchman lined up to shoot him. And then you've got the femme fatale and you've got um, Affleck trying to figure out what's going on is the most suspenseful part. And it's weird that like, it's like the start of the third act almost that they're they're finally getting to something that's like yeah some kind of stakes yeah. and and what's going on. The more you talk about it, the more I appreciate how great that scene is because it's all built around character as well. Mm-hmm. Because it's is he gonna trust this woman who like we're waiting as an audience for him and the woman that he loved, who loves him to meet up, and this woman's coming in to replace her and fool him. So there's a lot of character and emotion in that. And so it's just, yeah, it's crazy. You didn't lean on more. It's all really the only scene that uses his memory wipes in a dramatic, interesting way. Other than just, this is inconvenient. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, and what, what does he use to get out of this? The fucking Red Sox. That's his and that's athletic. his trick is he's like, and fucking athlete with my favorite baseball team. Now, on the other hand, while this guy was trying to stop the world from imploding, he did uh look into the future and rig it so the Red Sox would win the World Series next year. How do you think you think that's like 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 the sequel to this is that he well, oh no, my uh, god, paycheck too, or he like made the Red Sox in the world's out and watch that movie. I don't know. This movie takes place in 2007. Oh, you're right. You're right. Because it starts 2003. So, so he missed. But then it has he, a. Then it's like a three year gap of yeah, he missed it. He missed that whole bloody ankle. Uh, what was the uh, uh, Schilling, Kurt Schilling thing? Yeah, like he yeah, missed all that. Good guy stuff. there. Really good guy, Kurt. Schilling. Yep, real, real stand up no, uh, guy. Apparently, no, no flaws in that character. Never seen anything bad about that guy. <laughs> uh. But I, uh, yeah, but I, uh, it, it is I. That's where the movie gets dumb again. Is like they're using. What's my favorite baseball team? Which Affleck uh, made him change from the Nets to right, but I'm fine with that. It, the movie, the movie kind of peaks and ebbs and flows in that that one scene, I think. Uh, and it, so that's what that scene. I, I, I like that they established. I mean, it's a little cliche that Ben Affleck likes the Red Sox in the movie. Like that's he made them change it. That's almost more of the problem. Yes, than anything else. I like though that. Um, when he's trying to like deter when he realizes like I don't know like if I can trust this person, I mean that's just a real simple basic question like that. Um it's not I I think that helps that's to me is more Hitchcockian of a real simple direct question. It's almost a yes or no question borderline of like, what's my favorite baseball team? Like this really matters to me. You would a hundred percent know that if you are who you say you are. Um Fair. I I I I agree with you that this is the most Hitchcockian De Palma piece, and it yeah. the angles are very De Palma to me because he shoots from yes. from low angles, and it's very it's all focused on the character's face and reactions, and what's and like that's telling the audience everything they need to know about what's happening in that scene. I think you know I feel bad because I don't think I'll spoiler. I don't think John Woo was the right director for this. I don't think yeah. he did a. I think he had the right intentions and I think he he had a very good vision of what he wanted this to be. 
for whatever reason, it it didn't ever evolve or get to what I think he knew he wanted to do. He wanted to make a thriller and a suspenseful movie. And I I wonder if he was working with a studio that was like, well, we hired John Woo. Why would I hire I think, John Woo to make a suspense? Yeah, I think movie? the studio wanted more action. And yeah. so they they pushed the script to go that way and it kind of robbed. Yeah. But that one scene feels like that's Woo getting what he wanted this movie to be. Like in a yeah. very small little, you know, capsule of what he what his his idea was. And I, I wish the rest of the movie was that because I think that yeah, that is what he was trying to accomplish and his vision. And it just because of all the action sequences and I think some of the kind of spottiness of trying to make a short stories work on a two hour movie, it just never came together for me. At least I it's disappointing. It's too bad. I feel bad for Wu because he even said, I wanted this to be like a Hitchcockian film. And I, and yeah, ultimately all he could say was, well, at least it was nice working with Ben Affleck. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I appreciate him trying to find a silver lining. Yeah. but it, It's just, it, yeah. I feel bad for him that. So Things out of his control, it feels like, probably but, caused this movie to That's why I wonder if going back to China was a choice for him. If he was just kind of fed up of, all right, I want to have more control over what I'm doing. And not have a studio that can come in and push things around and force things in a different direction. And be like, and I'm just not satisfied with what we did. And I, I'd rather have a lesser budget or not. I would. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what budget well, he, he got he, in China because he, he even said that same that, level that, budget that like basically establishing what the movie's going to be was like one meeting in China. He's like in U.S. It could be dozens of meetings with the studio, its yeah. marketing team, its research team, and it's it's just it's death by a thousand cuts. It sounds like, and I think that's that's what this probably suffered from. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet in China. I'm, Betting the stars probably don't have as much power as they do in Hollywood. To probably not. Make demands on. What are you trying to say? Ben, this is a Ben Affleck movie. What are you um, trying to say? It's a very, I'm it's a very wonderful country with lots anything. of open, open ideas and. Um, no, it, it, again, yes, I, you know, I, 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 I communism's great. Terrific. Um, this what frustrated me about this was what what we've already talked about a little bit. In front of the camera, you have a really good cast. You've got we, we haven't talked supporting about supporting cast, fantastic. Yeah, supporting cast is is excellent. Uma Thurman, I think, is a great actress, not used correctly here. But you have Aaron Eckhart is a pretty good villain. Yeah. You've got Paul Giamatti is a supporting character throughout this. Yeah, I mean, you've like, got you've got Joe Morton, you've got Michael C. Hall, you've got um so I uh, really enjoy seeing Joe Morton back at like a sci-fi lab. Environment, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, back at Cyberdyne, buddy. It's like twitching out. I think I blew this building yeah. up one time. Um, but you it's crazy. Really this good... was Michael C. Hall's first movie. You've been tell. on like a you've been on a soap opera, but it's also they also makes it a little weird. Like oh, Michael C. Hall, and then like, it's like oh, they're not giving him a ton. <laughs> was this this is probably around the time he got um six feet under? I think yeah, like right before, and then Dexter uh, not long after that. So yeah, but I the cast is really good, and even. The doctor from Face Off. The doctor from I seriously thought that guy's name was Doctor Walsh for half the movie. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's Wolf. His name is Wolf, and, it's, and I kept thinking Walsh. Um, but I, in front of the camera, you've, you've got a lot of really good talent, and that's what surprised me is it didn't feel like they used that correctly. Or and then when you look behind the camera, again, it's a Philip uh, K. Dick story that's been adapted, which 
you know, generally speaking, if you look at all Long the movies history that have been adapted, successful. Yeah. very successful. You have, uh, I can't remember what his first name is, but Kimball, who's the, the DP who shot. Uh, oh, yeah, he works with, works he with, with Wu. Oh. oh, you know what else he shot? Uh oh. Star Trek fucking Nemesis. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> but it's, it's just weird. Like, you have. Again, it's this recipe of you have all of these incredible ingredients, but when you put it the dish together, it doesn't come out right. It's so weird how how that happened. I don't know why. Like to your point, everything feels flat and kind of boring throughout this. Well, I think a big problem is in the short story, it doesn't build to a big climax. The climax oh, is a, a confrontation. God damn you. <laughs> Uh, um, that beautiful motorcycle yeah. they have at the end the confrontation in the story is the main character walks into like the guy's office it's basically like I'm blackmailing you and then there's like a back and forth of like oh like I knew about that it's like well I did this in the future and then like the big thing so in the book it's you don't look into the future it's something called a time scoop you can reach into the future and grab something out of it Oh, so okay. a lot of what they're doing is reaching the future and like getting like weapons and things. Um, and so like he's like so in the climactic scene, the time like it's the time scoop comes in and takes something that's important, pulls it back, and then it's like that's why he has it now in what would be the future. And it's like, yeah, like yeah, 2003, that's not gonna be the greatest climactic reveal. So they just kind of make it a generic explosions and people being shot kind of thing it doesn't all <laughs> add up with the premise you don't pay the premise off really like no I mean, he no, has the watch no that he has the watch that goes off and it's like go oh, and they like, save each other but like for the audience it's not like a satisfying resolution to what he's been trying to achieve like he's not it's not clever it's just like duck no. and like the bad guy gets shot. No, and it, it's yeah, I it's just not. That, I think that's a good description. That's a nice description of it. It's you needed this clever. finale to be really clever, but and yeah, and it, it's just it, not. It's not, and I I think that the problem is is because they took the cynicism. This this goes back to the bigger problem. They took the cynicism out, and so okay, now he has to be a very magnanimous character. Uh, do, do you want to talk about the ending? Um. Yeah, they work at Home Depot. That was the, my fucking takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> They're working in the in the in the garden section of Home Depot. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are alternate endings, I guess. And I, I, man, I was really close to pulling the trigger to buy the DVD, but it didn't seem like it would get here in time for us to record this week. So we we be putting off recording another like week. So I spent I spent fifty dollars to get it <laughs> Amazon uh, overnight by Prime. Yeah. So. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure I could have found this information out um, with a little more detail. But ending we get in this. So he goes to all this trouble where. So the whole reason he does this, he sees in this future machine, all of this is going to cause a war. And it's basically it's like you, you were kind of talking about. And what the movie tells us is the U.S. gets so scared there's going to be a war. They do a preemptive strike and cause a war. We get so scared there's going to be a plague. We like round up sick people and pour them together and cause a plague. And it's just like we become our own worst enemy, terrified by this 
future machine. So he see he's like, oh my god, like this thing's gonna destroy the world. I have to like get rid of it. And like it should be like character growth because they establish him as a guy who's just in it for the money and doesn't care. And like he should have like he should have grown as a character. But then at the so at the very end, turn out. Uh, he secretly left himself a winning lottery ticket for ninety million dollars. It's like, oh, so he got the money too. Like, all right. Yeah, it's like there, there is no downside for this guy because he never had to trade anything because he's still yeah, win-win, baby. Like, yeah. And it's like it like, robs it of any like growth or anything from the movie, and it's like, um, uh, and and while like the story like keeps that cynicism of it, this was trying to play it on the other side of him, like becoming a better person and like spoiler, he does not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which um, robs the whole relationship with him and like Uma Thurman. It's like, ah, oh, seems like this guy got his memory wiped and he's back to being a douchebag. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, nothing learned. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what I was going to ask you was uh, what I want, I want to talk about was um, speaking of the future and, and, you know, far off technologies, I loved at the beginning of this that it shows uh, Affleck's character catching up on a s- season of uh, the Red Sox using VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, my favorite part. This is they can't decide what how futuristic they want this to be, and I think that's probably a problem too. Is because it doesn't feel it feels like it's both in the time of two thousand three, and then even if you're supposed to go forward four years in the future, it still doesn't feel futuristic enough to, well, for any reason. We talked about it in face off and I saw it a little bit on some notes on this. Like Wu is kind of was, has a fear of like going to sci-fi. Like he's intimidated by it. And I, I can understand, but like for this one is really to the, like the detriment. Yes. Of it. I agree. Cause it doesn't feel fully realized. Um, not like, not, I'm going to pick on it a lot. Minority report. Um, I, I looked at Minority Report. This had a sixty million dollar budget. Minority Report was over a hundred million, just over a hundred million dollars. Yeah, yeah you can see that. You can a hundred percent, even with big stars, you can still see how yeah. much better uh, Spielberg and his team were world building, and that really helps craft. Yes, a, 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 an envelope for that it story goes a existed. long, long ways. And this, unfortunately, is pulling so heavily from the aesthetic they built. On a many things, yes. Uh, on a cheaper level. But to your point, everything looks like, like a, uh, looks like a uh, leftover Minority Reports. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the future stuff too, do you want to talk about the um, the PlayStation bathroom scale that he he buys from like a Best Buy <laughs> at the beginning of this, and then he somehow like c- creates a hollow like a hollow deck. I don't know <laughs> like what the right term for it is, but I don't know. It sounds like you want to talk about it. <laughs> I do want to talk about it. I, I think it looks like a PlayStation 1. So are looks... you talking about the equipment, the packaging, the... The, the device itself looks like... Okay, okay. I could uh, put like... Twisted Metal 2 inside and I could play it. <laughs> or I could have it sit on my bathroom floor and I could check my weight after I go to the bathroom in the morning. I mean, maybe it can do that too. We don't we don't see. Because those executives leave pretty quick. They're really excited. That's <laughs> this new piece of technology. <laughs> Oh my God, we've just beat the competition. We have this great technology. Do you guys want to leave the room? Yeah, let's leave the room. Great. Well, we got to leave. So there's one executive who we're later going to shame for it. This bang this guy. Yeah. Which, all right, that goes back into something I I, I alluded to early. Um, that is the, oh God, I'm going to get her, her name wrong. I just looked it up. 
Um, the actress, uh, wait for it. Kelly Clarkson. It's, uh, that's not it. It is in <laughs> no, fact, it's uh, it's Catherine Morris who, who was in minority report the year before. She, uh, okay. She plays, um, John Anderton's wife in minority report. And does she really? Yeah. Holy shit. Look it up. She looks completely different. You know why? Because she has because a terrible haircut. She has a horrible haircut. <laughs> yeah. So goes a long uh, way. <laughs> it really does go uh, a long way. So, yeah. So, uh, Catherine Morris, she was the wife in, uh, and the mother in Minority Report. A year later, she does this. And I don't know what it is, but she, like, this is where it really jumps out to me. She has haircut that looks like Shredder's helmet. And I don't understand. <laughs> why yeah. it looks so weird and it's like all these sharp cuts in it hey man 2003 is a wild time <laughs> affleck is the only person with like normal hair in this <laughs> everybody has weird terrible hair uma thurman's hair looks weird um so i normally don't like this kind of i am imdb trivia oh there's hair I trivia really, i really enjoyed this one um because normally mm. it's like i don't know i just like yeah whatever it's a movie like, like this i it was actually pretty funny to me it's like so he shows up, gets injected, three years go by, memory erased, goes back. Everyone three years later, exact same haircut. No one changed their hair in three years. No. No, <laughs> no everybody's gotta be like not a person. Everybody's gonna be like 40, which means that's their haircut for life when, when he goes under. <laughs> which not unrealistic, but still kind of unrealistic. <laughs> but well, it's it's more funny than anything else. Like, it, yeah. it is, and that's the problem, is like three years go by and visually there's no distinction that's given to the audience. So it's hard to understand that there's really been a change of, yeah, yeah. of time uh, at all in this, but uh, yeah, Aaron Eckhart's hair is weird. He's got a modern haircut, except the difference is they like slathered the sides of his hair oh my, yeah. to his head and then what can we do to make this guy look like a penis yeah and then exactly and then affleck's hair is the only one looks normal and i don't know it's it's just like it's almost like it was an affleck's contract i have to have the best hair i have to have good hair well guess what everyone else has to look like shit he did and apparently everyone in the future has shit ass hair half the other people are bald like (laughs) oh that's true i uh yeah poor dr walsh slash mr wolf in this he just never no rolls with hair yeah yeah He's got a tough role. I uh, that's what's his name? His name's Colm uh, Ferrer. Ferrer. I'm slaughtering his name, but he's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, his name's Colm uh, Ferrer. He's a Canadian actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays Doctor Wolf. Sorry, I was I was getting distracted by uh the guy named Callum who's in a an actor on Star Trek. (laughs) Uh, like Colm Meany. No, no, no. That's a whole different. <laughs> no, oh my god, Colmini was in this. That'd be incredible. <laughs> I, I wish I, I did, lost I did, my shit. <laughs> I did laugh uh, at the one really horrible line of they're about to. They think they're about to kill, um, uh, uh Jennings, and it's Doctor Wolf who's or Wolf who's in charge of it, and he just goes goodbye, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> favorite line in this movie. Yeah. That guy, that guy's mustache twirling in every scene that he's in. And he's not. So, man, there's definitely different versions of this script out there because there's like a, um, 
like federal district attorney or like what like let's see what can I do they show what is trying to see the credit of the attorney general that's what I'm looking for attorney yeah general. attorney general yeah um who kind of ends up being like the evilest person almost in the movie aside from maybe Aaron Eckhart um but feels like a real holdover because you don't get enough it's like he wants the machine he's willing to sacrifice everything to get it and he like he is just like not even hiding it like evil and it's like it just doesn't it just really like has they haven't established this government because like the fbi agents they kind of get on the side of jennings it's like what is happening with this attorney general it's just like yeah murder these citizens <laughs> we need this <laughs> well and to your point it, everything with the attorney general feels like it's a like and you said it i can't take credit for it it, it was another version of the script yeah it's that like, they oh, just didn't take all the like pieces out. three versions ago and like this still lingered in it. exactly it's weird they needed some motivation for the government to be going after um the company and stuff so like i get it like but yeah it really plays a little like we've not established what like, what's happening here which i think that, that it's not a bad plot point the idea that the government's actually after the device as much as the be, company is to control it yeah, yeah like it I like that as a theme that, that that both sides are evil and in the middle you have Jennings who's trying to do the right thing. Um, if they had actually done and accomplished that, I think this would have been a lot better. What I thought it's, and I, I don't, I don't want to describe too much blame or credit to anywhere, but it's really actually missing the John Woo classic, really strong protagonist, really strong antagonist. Cause we have the protagonist and I, whether they fully pull that off or not, that's a different question. But yeah. antagonist stuff is, is Aaron Eckhart, but then it just gets kind of spread around amongst so many people who dilutes. <laughs> Whereas Wu is so good at and other movies of really establishing that villain. And like so you add you just add dramatic weight to it and you never really do. And they face off at the end, it's like, yeah, okay. And even like it should even be more weighted because they were friends at the start of the movie. Yeah. And you just kind of don't really care. Like, Well, no, and, and it's not even uh, athletic. It, it actually made me laugh, I mean, which my wife thinks I'm there's something wrong with me for laughing at this stuff. But uh, uh, Eckhart gets shot by one of his own security guards because the, the, the shitty watch goes off and says, go, go, go. And so they yeah. jump out of the way. Of course, the gunshot goes off that they've, they've alluded to a few times now that it's supposed to kill Affleck. It hits Aaron Eckhart and he just swan dives over a railing and lands with this like dumbfounded look on his face on this glass and he just dies. Yeah. And it's just right. like, it's like, that's your ending? Is but we didn't big, really big bad? build that to him for the character. <clears throat> yeah. It doesn't, it does, like you, like you said, like the Bo Staff stuff gets called back <laughs> for them to yeah. fight, but like it doesn't, the, the ending is just, it just feels like a, it's, it's bolted on and it's just very, the stakes are never there and it's never built. Well, the ending is just he saw the future, he predicted all of this, and they try to change it a little bit like Uma Thurman comes back and so it's a little different, but then it's like no, he just saw the future and they did all this. And they oh, don't yeah. like they don't make any kind of twist to it. Like something no, where like, I don't, even though it's like he has like a bulletproof vest on so he like survives and then the government swarms in and like 
takes this, but he still destroyed the machine so the government doesn't get it. And it's like, I don't know, there's something where it's it's a twist to what you've told the audience already. I mean, I guess you've told him he gets shot and he's going to die, but like, I don't know. I, uh, you technically don't it, know that he's died. In a way, of like, that's what he's seen. Like, yeah. Once you know it's a future machine and he's used it, it does just completely uh, evaporate any of the stakes because you're like, well, he probably knows everything that's going to happen and he's figured this whole thing out. So it's, it is kind of like, okay, what's, what's, what's the challenge for this, the character at this point, other than just to yeah. physically get through what he knows is going to happen in yeah. some fashion. Yeah, so I kind of, so- I do enjoy that uh, his dreams are exposition of himself in third person. <laughs> I, d- I did like that part. So I, I, yeah, I had some issues with, um, with that. And I gotta, I, I guess I gotta put this on John Woo to a degree. So there's a concept in filmmaking called the repeated image. And it's all about you show the same image over and over again, and it adds weight to it. And when effectively done, it can be very powerful. So an example from like pop filmmaking is so you know in Batman Begins, um, they show Bruce Wayne is a little boy. He falls down the well. His father repels down the well to like pull him out. I don't know if you remember that scene, but it happens. I do. Um, I was okay, there. Okay. So they show at the end of the, towards the end of the movie, Bruce Wayne's gotten like beaten down. And like while he's going down, they do a line of dialogue, like kind of, of the father being like, like, why do we fall down so we can get back up? And they repeat that image after like Batman is like down on the ground of that's what's going on in his head, remembering that. And like, and yeah, I, I mean, you can say like, it's a little obvious or whatever as a metaphor, like, but like, it's also a Batman movie. It's like, but I think it's, I think about that in terms of a repeated image that you saw at the beginning. It was like, Oh, that's like something, the traumatic thing that happened why he loves his dad or respects his dad. But it's also now you're seeing it, it's like, Oh, this is why he's Batman. He's trying to do this for Gotham City. Gotham City has fallen down. He wants to pull him back up. And it's like, now this is remembering why it was to inspire him to get back up and his dad. And like it just adds like a ton of weight to the scene, to the emotion. And that image then becomes like very powerful. It's like, whoa, that is the important image to this character who we're rooting for. This movie <laughs> has just recaps shit that happened before for no reason. It's like, you remember the first 30 minutes of the movie? Here's a 30 second montage of what happened. And it adds like no emotional weight whatsoever. And like, it's just bizarre and weird. And it's like, like seeing this image again means nothing because we've not, like the character's not really in a different circumstance than where they were. And like, like why are we doing this? I mean, it's just bizarre choices that like stretch the movie out and kind of rob it of momentum. Well, and I, I think, I you know, if you have to look at the time of a movie being a budget as well, that, that the director is supposed to manage. Do a two-hour movie. You have a two-hour movie, and I, I don't feel like there's never enough world-building in this to me. And, and to your point, like, what's his motivations? That's not very well-established. You're just getting recaps. The relationship between him and Uma Thurman is they, they never give you anything to feel like it's established yeah. other than them just telling you from her only from really well, from her. 
And it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, ah, uh, it's just, it's just kind of bad filmmaking. I think to your point on blaming Wu. Well, and to your point with their relationship, you see him meet once at a party where like it doesn't go well, uh, but like they're still flirtatious. You see him meet again at the facility, and it, it's a little more flirtatious, and then nothing. We get zero, and then we're just supposed to buy. They had a three-year relationship that we trapped get inside to, of a building. We get nothing of, and but we're just supposed to. So it's like it violates the fundamental rule of filmmaking. Like it tells us, doesn't show us. Yes, yes. I mean, I think I, I guess think it shows the us the one home video of Ben Affleck bringing her a cupcake on her birthday. <laughs> and it's creepy, and it's it's it does it's too yeah. late. Like they they've already told you that the whole relation, how important the relationship is. So right. yeah, to that extent, it doesn't matter anymore. Like you you're already you're already supposed to believe that. So right. it feels so much more as an audience if we got ten minutes of them. It, having a relationship because then we'd know what he sacrificed to lose in the, his memory in the biodome in the violent poly shore biodome <laughs> uh yeah him and stephen baldwin, stephen baldwin. Out. yes <laughs> so what do they think what, what do you think they're doing in this biodome like what what is because my wife was like as soon as she saw uma thurman she's and, and it's like plant stuff she's like I hope this becomes poison ivy <laughs> like i hope this well, is we gotta talk about all the dc movie tie-ins <laughs> Oh, please, let's go. Like Aaron Eckhart. Like, I think there's some other ones in there. Obviously, Uma Thurman. Um, it's, uh, it's yeah. Like Batman and Two, and Two Face. Uh, well, oh, jo- Joe Morton. He was the dad for uh, Cyborg. Yeah, that's right. And, <laughs> and then there, there's some other ones too, kind of like that. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that, but you're right. There's um, a lot of there's a lot of comic book tie-ins. Um, yeah. Uh, that that really like, play into this. A, a DC movie could suddenly break out, like the third act, if you if you wanted it to. This feels like a DC movie to me, and that's not if a this compliment. This was like the buildup in like, yeah, no, we're, we're no, yeah, yeah, I get, you, I get what you're saying. But this but feels if like five minutes in, it became like Batman versus Two Face. Like, well, there's something about, yeah, like there's something about. Oh, that's you're right. I'm sorry, you're right. It was Batman and Two Face showing down at the end of this, but or if this was like Batman has his memory erased. Like, <laughs> I do. So that's my background right now is Affleck having his memory erased. Yeah. I I want to say it it does feel like they just ripped off Total Recall. I don't know how it's described or if it, or how or yeah, what's I mean, described well, in in the story. Has a lot of similarities to Total Recall. With it does, erasing. which it's also so, like, Total Recall is also a Philip K. Dick. Yep, like, exactly. Yeah, that's kind of not the movie's fault. Like it is very much. It's not, but it, but it, it is very funny. much visually. Recall back to that. I uh. Between the two, I will tell you, watching uh, Schwarzenegger have uh, um, a schizoid <laughs> embolism, I think they call it, in Total Recall, yeah. uh, is way more fun to watch than Affleck look like he's just shitting his pants. All right. I need I need rankings, uh, scale of 1 to 10, the quality of the hurt acting for Schwarzenegger, Affleck, and Brosnan. <laughs> Ooh, um... And Brosnan's just in there out of respect to Matt Gorley for establishing. Yeah, he does. He does scale. some good hurt yeah. acting. Uh, the whole beginning of uh, Die Another Day, which same same year, two thousand three. This yeah, movie has the exact it, same energy. You see energies. in the robot arms. <laughs> you do. Uh, the only difference is no lasers this time. So right. they, they um, use robot arms to steal both staffs. And <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sir. Uh, 
this robot only comes programmed for karate. It cannot do any sort of manufacturing <laughs> job. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which we need to get back to your question of what they're doing in the biodome. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they're robots. Both staff trained robots. They're both staff trained robots. Uh, I have to give uh, hurt acting to. Um, it's got to be Brosnan for me because. I, all I think about he's trying from, the hardest. <laughs> he's trying the hardest, and when I think about Schwarzenegger, I think about the scene in like the end of it's in the third act of Commando, and uh, he's stuck in that like little utility shed in uh, the bad guy's yard, and he just pulls back his vest and looks. He's like, "Oh, I'm hurt." And he just puts his hand to it <laughs> like it's painful, and like that's his hurt acting for the entire <laughs> movie. But then he kind of he kind of picks it up when he goes to Total Recall, and they have all those fake arnold heads that are trying to yeah. pull the probe out of the nose so i'm like i don't know i can't tell is that stan winston acting or is that actually schwarzenegger acting like i think it's more stan winston than arnold i, I guess i guess we gotta watch a junior and see what kind of acting he does when he goes into labor he goes into- <laughs> yes I'll, I'll watch junior just to see the the hurt acting is there any hurt acting in um uh, jingle all the way that we should we should speak <laughs> only emotional hurt uh my my son Jamie does not like me because I'm not the <laughs> Turbo Man. Um, yeah, 2003 was not a great year for movies. At least the ones I'm thinking of was Die Another Day is is hands down my least favorite Bond film, and it was Brosnan's last one, which is was sad to me that that's how he went out. And uh, I can't this... say you're wrong, but man, the first 45 minutes of that movie are pretty good. I actually don't. Well, no, come on. Really? He's got like a good run right up until uh, they play London Calling. Do you like the part where he's surfing into North Korea? All right. All right. I don't think it's perfect. <laughs> just say, I don't <laughs> mind the action build. I like the first act. I like the idea that he's tortured and he's got to go through recovery and he's going to come out. It's like it actually humanizes Bond. You could argue Casino Royale goes probably three years later, goes way too far to the other extreme of too, it's too much realism. But yeah, it's I don't just, think Casino Royale does. It's the later uh, like Spectre, Craig ones that do. Oh, you mean where it's just too realistic and it's just too dark and him? I think Casino Royale walks the line. All right, but yeah, then it goes too dark and far. And Casino Royale is still fun. Yeah, I uh, Aside yeah, from fair. The uh, woman he loves <laughs> drowning to death and him getting hit in the balls yeah. a bunch by a big heavy rope. Yeah, that's a downer. Yeah, it's a real bummer. His testicles probably didn't look that good after that. Um. <laughs> But yeah, to me, the the most comparable movie I could think of from 03, without looking at like a list, obviously, but Die Another Day has the same energy of like this feels both very much a lot of money being thrown at this. But at the same time, it doesn't really get get you any further down the road. It's just and they're trying to do futuristic things. Yeah. Yes. Like, is is this that futuristic? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I guess an invisible car is pretty interesting. <laughs> I guess. I man, I, I I want to do an episode on that. Like, I do want to. I do want us to cover die. I, I went to go see that in theaters, and I remember walking out of that mad. Like, I was in Atlanta another day to go, to go see die another day, and I remember walking out just pissed off because it was the first Bond movie post nine eleven, and I was like, "This is what we're going with," where he he fights a. Korean agent that's disguised himself as a British tycoon that wants to use a 
satellite to blow up the earth like anyway i digress <laughs> all right let's get back to the biodome biodome so let's back to Polly Shore and Stephen baldwin they... <laughs> or is it so building? I, they're building a machine to like look into the future so all right first question they seem to posit this machine can only look into your future who's operating it but it can save the files so someone else can later go look at what you saw. I think is I think is what this is is positing. You think it's like an MP4 or is it like a J like a GIF? <laughs> what do you, how do you think it's saving those w, files? WMV. WMV. Okay, so you can, it's only a Windows product. That's the yeah. problem. Okay. Um, but there's this uh, botanical lab, literally right next to the. Uh, <laughs> future viewing machine lab where Uma Thurman works. Is that related to seeing the future? Like what what is like what's happening in that lab? I hadn't thought about this, but are they growing pot to fund the future machine? Do you remember that she was in the Avengers and Sean Connery well, built a weather a weather control machine, which is what she does in her meet cute with Ben Affleck when they're in that lab. Turns the wind on. So do you think that, that this is where Sean Connery gets his weather machine for the Avengers? Mm. I mean, I feel like the Avengers happens before this. I don't know. It's a throwback. It's really hard to tell. It's it's kind of a movie out of time. Does the agent of the Avengers turn evil and join Aaron Eckhart and build weather machines for him? Yes. The answer is yes. Or does Aaron Eckhart grow up, doesn't die? We don't know for sure he dies. Does he grow up to be Sean Connery? I hope so. I hope he puts on that giant bear suit that's in the Avengers for the Sean Connery wears. Man, I've not seen that in forever. I tried to watch it like a year ago and I'm like I kind of was like maybe tricking myself thinking like yeah, I think I enjoyed this in 1998. Like, I kind of remember yeah. watching this and I remember Uma Thurman's you know, gorgeous in that all other suit that Diana Rigg wore for yeah. the show and you know, I like Ralph uh, or yeah, it's Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, Ralph Fiennes is the lead One in that, and uh, um, Sean Connery's the bad guy. And then I watched it. And I'm like, it's weird. There's three characters in the entire movie, and it's the people I just named. There's like nobody else, and it's just like, let's go just shoot a movie in London that that has no real plot and just kind of plods along, and it's just people being British, and that's that's pretty much the it's the whole movie. It's weird, I get, but not weird because. You would think they would. But how much better directors and editors have gotten at blockbuster movies since, like, 1998? <laughs> like, I just feel the very least they make them move. Like, they're not a, like, they're not a slog. They're, they're not. But I also wonder, did Wu shoot enough here to actually even edit enough into this? If they had to try and make up for for stuff that wasn't working because i think you, you were telling me that that he's sort of notorious for doing one one take that's what he and, was talking about doing face off yeah and i wonder if maybe there's just not enough enough stuff here but i'm looking at the editor who did this movie and he's got a lot of overlap with us um <laughs> uh the he did executive decision he did this um, he he did the movie page or payback, which I actually watched the other day. Oh, okay. How is that? A, how does that hold up? 
Um, it's okay. It's it's another movie I, I wouldn't mind covering at some point. It's got a really good cast. It's got a ton of people in it. Oh yeah, I remember that being yeah, that was a big one. But it's like it's I think it was like one of the first movies of like two thousand. It was definitely like the post Matrix era where they're like, we're gonna color grade the shit out of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Right. we're gonna pick one color also, we're just gonna go big it's, this one color. well i wonder if this era as well this suffers from we're not, like they're like we're not making commando we're more serious than that and so if they just that like the pacing kind of like oh we have to let pacing linger because like we're more thought-provoking than just action 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 and it's like no nah, you're still just like <laughs> that kind of movie is what like well that's what you should be like no you gotta I, keep things moving like you're not doing enough here you're not silence of the lambs like that's like let's get this shit moving guys yeah I, that that's 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 definitely a possibility i um i don't know like we were talking about face off you know action movies change right after that like they don't they don't really right stay... well, it sci-fi like this it's gonna be a sci-fi yeah concept is kind of what or fantasy as it kind of goes to a little bit because like i would put like pirates of the caribbean like that kind of fantasy um so it's that lord of the rings though or it's like the matrix stuff like or minority report or um i think what like all right i'm gonna look at well Affleck, like the, the year before this Affleck does some of all fears which is a action yeah, movie but Jack it's also Ryan, a political kind of like, thriller yeah, of sorts yeah. And I, I like, I remember Jay and I went to go see that together, um, which is always fun when you realize that the the premise of the atomic bomb that's in that is surrounded by uh, the area you, you grew up in. The plutonium in that movie comes from where we grew up. Man. Shout, shout out to Savannah Riverside. <laughs> Get a little nuclear waste. <laughs> so, uh, but no, I, it, it just yeah it just it, a lot it does go very sci-fi heavy i mean ai is kind of a, a big spielberg movie the, the turn of the century but you know what so you know it's number like 17 18 on this list i'm looking at you know let me let me switch this up please tell me what the list is box office box office for 2003 movies released in 2003 number 18 is is swat the Colin Farrell. Oh God, I've seen it so many times. Right, one hundred and sixteen million dollars. Jesus, that movie sucks. Um, and budget, uh, Bob, budget is eighty million. Why? Why? That movie is eighty that? million dollars to make. Yeah, that, that seems shit. weird. But worldwide, I hope all of that went to Sam Jackson. Yeah, worldwide, two hundred million dollars. Um, oh, man. So I think I think they did just fine on that one, and I but. To the point, I, I understand, and I don't advocate doing $80 million on things, but I think what we're missing today on stuff is like, put like young actors in shit and see what happens. Try to make, like, see if this person's a movie star. And I don't feel like we get that much of that anymore. If they're going to do that, it's gonna, it's more of an IP I mean, I guess SWAT's kind of an, is is an IP. Yeah, but I mean, kind of thing. that that was more of an obscure one. I, you know, maybe I don't know. It's fitting yeah, today. I can't it, say I was really familiar with. I, I'd heard of the show, but I'd never seen it. Um, 
to your point, I don't know. Today, the uh, trailer dropped for for Roadhouse, the remake with Jill and Hall as uh, Dalton. So maybe you're onto something uh, in terms of just. I wouldn't say he's a young hot actor, though. He's like at least. No, he's age. not. He's already established. Like that's what's so weird is like, right. like he's a known quantity in a lot in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, um, which I feel they are like. All right, so Kelly is like thirteen. I feel they are actors. Who are in like Amazon Prime shows or like things that they kind of heard people like talk about. They're like put that guy in the Roadhouse, and though they're they're gonna want to go see that. That's and a good also, point. They can they can probably talk their dad into it, going to see like, all right, I'll go see Roadhouse. Like, I mean, like the guy from Jack Reacher, for example, like put that guy. Oh yeah, I mean that that guy's a giant. I mean that would make sense. Like, yeah, uh, he's probably not right for Roadhouse, but like, yeah. I understand what you're saying, though. It's like they're not picking people who are are relevant to what so young people teenager, want to. See. Yeah, like they're going so safe because they don't they don't. You can't predict what a 13 year old is going to want to see, and I get that. But that's why you got to throw some darts at the board, and that's how you get new stars. Like, well, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I, I haven't seen the movie. I it, I didn't hear anything good about it, but um. Uh, Harry Styles being in Don't Worry Darling. I guarantee that was worth at least a pretty good chunk of money for them to have him in it. Like a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because it, the, the but, he's going to attract an audience. The movie's going to sci-fi. <laughs> I haven't um, seen it, it yet. A, it was okay. It was okay? Okay. It's kind of... It looked like a white version of you've Nope. Seen, you've seen the twist before. And so it's like, I don't know, it's kind of hard. Like, we're living in a world where, like... Nothing's new? Yeah, and because of the internet, it's like, it's not even like, this is new for this generation. It's like, nothing can ever be new again, in a like, kind of a way. So, like, I don't know. Well, I mean, what what is that saying? There's only seven stories to tell, or something like that, or... Exactly. And it's like, well, now I've seen this because I have access to the past hundred years of movies and that and realistically I probably only watched that's 30 but even still like when we were I don't know 2000 like how familiar were we with every movie that came out in 1970 I was familiar with every single movie that came out in 1970 <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but it's like ask me questions and Star I'll Wars and the Godfather but it's like you could you could update a movie from 1975 yeah, that no, was I mean, very good, and like people, and now it's like if you update a movie from like two thousand, it's like it feels like oh man, way more people are going to still be familiar with that. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven is a great example. Um, and yeah, it came out exactly. in 2000, 2000 2001, right? And yeah. they were like, great, Brad Pitt, huge, George Clooney, huge. Okay, we're gonna put Matt Damon, who's you know stars rising around him, and we're gonna put a bunch of other guys who kind of have some star power around him. And even and that's like our parents would vaguely remember that movie coming out. Like, yeah, it's not like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, 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 you're, you're, you're right. I mean, I mean, the original, like, the yeah. accessibility of media has probably not made it a good thing, but not, not helped Hollywood no. in some ways for, from a, a retreading the same tire, if you will, for, <laughs> for stuff. Yeah. Which is All unfortunate. Right, way off topic on this uh, <laughs> paycheck podcast. Right, Are really we? Good. Are we? I think we've done pretty good, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, well, yeah. You know, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, you know what we've not talked about. I will say, and I really liked him in this. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going probably backwards a little bit. 
Uh, Paul Giamatti in this probably not used enough. Like, really fun as a secondary character. Paul Giamatti. Well, like like Sideways hasn't happened yet. It's two years from Sideways, I think. Like, I think American Splendor hasn't happened yet. I don't think so. Not yet. Or is he this year Um, or the next year? Yeah, he's coming, but like, certainly the mainstream audience is not. Oh, I'm coming for some Paul Giamatti in this. Wow. Hey. Um, Speaking of him, I've got. Have you, uh, I do recommend the holdovers. Uh, I want to so, see it. I really want to see it. it it's it very looks, much seventy movie vibes, uh, which I'm I'm here for it. Um, yeah. I forgot. Oh shit! I forgot he was in the negotiator. Sorry, I was looking at this. I know. I, it's it's crazy when you look at his. It's like, oh right, he, like he's in like um, the Hangover too, and like it's just like, oh man, like oh yeah, he yeah he's a really good he's a really good actor, and so people stuck him in movies. It's like. Um, so American Splendor is also 2003. So, um, he really is a guy who just, just punches up anything he's in. It's crazy how, yeah, I don't, I don't don't know who I would replace him with in this, but, um, maybe you don't, but he, he does punch up so much stuff. Honestly, though, it kind of stands out how overqualified he is for this. It it does. (laughs) He's like the jim cassell of his generation oh you mean john um or john cassell sorry john cassell you put him in anything anything he's gonna be in he's gonna yeah he's gonna bring something interesting it's gonna be yeah uh yeah deer hunter all that because i'm looking at his his um imdb and it's like i forgot he plays the manager he plays bob samuda in man on the moon and that's in 2000 or i'm sorry 1999 he's in donnie brasco he's got a small role in that he's in sideways he's uh, he's the manager in Straight Outta Compton. It's like he's one of those guys where it's like you go through his IMDb, and he, to me, if you stack what he's done over the last twenty years compared to Affleck, it's like no, Giamatti oh, in terms of his his lasting Jesus. career, yeah, it's not even comparable. It's like it's crazy how, how much better his yeah. what his roles are compared to Affleck. Well, I guess so. I I watch a good bit of uh, Turner Classic movies, and say like fifty years and, from now, and pornography. Like, yeah, well. Of course, but no. Um, so recently, like one day, they were doing like a Robert Mitchum, yeah, like retrospective thing. Um, and so, like fifty years from now, like if they were gonna do that for Ben Affleck, like what would they show? Armageddon. It's gonna suck, right? But if they're gonna do that for Paul Giamatti, like yeah, you could program a day. You could, one hundred percent. You could. No problem. Like yeah. Like it's yeah, and he did. Um, I never watched it, but I heard he was really good on it. John Billions. Adams. Well, John Adams. Oh, is, Billions, John yeah. Adams is too. I re- he was really good yeah. as the uh, sort of antagonist on 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 Billions. Man. So that's why people listen to this podcast. Paul Giamatti, better actor than Ben Affleck. Uh fat. We're dropping facts on this fucking <laughs> podcast. But it, it is funny. Like that's the takeaway I had was like I'm watching him on screen. And he's bringing all the right energy all the way through this and anything he's any scene he's in. And I just keep thinking like, he's no, too talented. What's, to be what's so impressive is how good he is, but you're right. He's, he's doing what's right for that scene. Like, and like, and he, like, it's distracting only because he's engaging and interesting and no one else is. It's like, I'm just drawn to watch this guy. And it's like, well, that's Ben Affleck. You got to step your game up here. It's like this guy's stealing the scene from you. 
Yeah, the the small kind of uh, pudgy ball guy is 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 blowing you away, Ben Affleck. <laughs> yeah, like, please explain that. <laughs> no, it is interesting. Like his career is just uh, it's such a from from to, to your point on like the longevity and the interest of like what he, the roles he's played. He, he's got such a much better resume than than Affleck ever will. And you know, you and I were talking about this when we we started. It's weird because Affleck is such, such a weird point in his career when he makes this. To me, Uma Thurman's at a weird point because it's almost like, I think we looked it up. Her daughter was uh, Maya Hawk, who's a actress now, and and uh, you know probably most notably from uh, the last season of Stranger Things or, or two seasons, last two seasons of Stranger Things. Yeah. Um. She was born in '98, and Uma like Thurman five five. So she's like four or five years old when they make this. You can see someone stepping away at that age. Yeah, and I, uh, it's they interesting. Need to be a little more. Because this is in the middle of between Kill Bill one and two when this comes out. And it's like Uma Thurman, you can see where in her career she takes a step back. But if you look at what she's accomplished before this, it's like, uh, you know, she's in Pulp Fiction. She's in this, you know, she's she's kind of been an, uh, uh, an actress in like, Gattaca. even, um, you know, the Avengers because I'm struggling to come up with <laughs> movies because I don't have a pull up in front of me. Um, she was in uh, Cats and Dogs, <laughs> Batman and Robin. Uh, she was in Gattaca. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. she she just feels like a bigger name uh, than maybe Affleck was at, at this point. And Affleck, I don't oh, feel like... Oh, I disagree. I think Batman is a bigger draw at this point. He was, but like for for bad stuff, I guess that's... But she that's... would be considered a better actress yes. at this time, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess that's where I uh, like Affleck. And granted, I'm not an Affleck fan. Um, his run after this is just like real spotty. I think this is like oh, we're getting the beginning of the we're getting to peak saturation point with 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 him at this. You know, this he's stage. going to the downturn where Argo is good to bring him back. Uh, but Argo is ten years later, almost. Yeah, and he won what an Oscar for that? Yeah, it won Best Picture. Best picture, and he, well, he was a writer for that, and he directed. He directed, it. He directed it, yeah. It, I guess it, the it, town. I guess the town's 2010. That's probably. Yes, you're right. You're right. That's, that, that's kind of a, a big. Probably it's yeah, yeah. That's that's probably the the big one. The comeback there because that was pretty. People were like, oh, all right, reevaluating what I think of that guy because that was great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and he directed. I forgot he directed that too. Okay. Yeah, and that's probably what gets Margo, and then gets some some respect of. God, I want to give him so much shit, but I do like the town. <laughs> oh yeah, that's awesome. Um, Argo, I was kind of uh, the movie's a little overhyped. I think. I enjoy it, but yeah, I mean it's it's the classic. Um wins best picture because it's about hollywood and hollywood saving the day and then it's also yeah don't want to get into too much hot water here but um goes into some middle eastern politics things um probably don't don't want to be talked about today <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh but no it is a kind of a classic hollywood gives best picture of the movie about hollywood like yeah well so then he does 
Gone Girl about four years after that. I've not seen that, but I've heard it's good, very good. Yeah, I've heard really good things about it. It's Fincher. It's it's. I kind of feel like Fincher. Yeah, really I, would, never... I mean, you should definitely watch it. It's... Has Fincher ever made a bad movie? Um, I am conflicted about the game. Really? I it's love the just... game. No, I get it. I get it. I. I mean, you shut the fuck up. explain yourself Susie it's um I have some issues with a lot of like coincidences happen in that that are feel unrealistic I don't know like um so that makes me all right it's got Uh, some flaws I think we're gonna watch it at some point I really enjoyed it I think think it's great it's it's also like extremely well directed as far as I, mean, I, 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 Fincher, like, I agree with you. I, th- I, I think I will defend it just because I, I like it. Um, I think a lot of this, the stuff you, to your point on coincidences, is it supposed to appear that way in the sense that you, the, the audience is never supposed to know what is really part of the game. What's a coincidence. What, what was just something happening? You never really know what's real and what's not. I think that's done on purpose. So I, I will I will okay. I will defend okay. that movie. That, interesting. Okay, the whole thing be is interesting to watch it more through that lens. You're goddamn right; it would be. <laughs> um, but uh, sorry, I'm not. I'm not interested. I I, I love David. Lynch. I I think he's one of the best working directors. Um, he made some more. So videos. I know some people aren't. We're a little down on Mank. Um, for him, and then. Um, curious and, case of Benjamin Button. I've heard some. Like, I've seen that one time. I've only of, seen it one time. I've heard some drive-bys on. I feel, <laughs> but I, I really like that movie. But I've seen it. I, I think I've seen it a couple times. Um, but I've heard. So I've kind of just heard like random people on like podcasts or something kind of do a subtle like drive-by of not liking that movie. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm looking at his IMDb for directing. It's really hard to, even if Mank and the even it, stuff you want to, like, if people don't like, it's like oh, but it's still I'm trying to think of something to compare it to. A direct like it's trying to think, of, trying to compare it to like a real like commercial critical flop for a successful director. I'm like I'm blanking on a good thing to compare it to, but like there, like, even the things you say are they like they're divisive yeah of if if it's not universally loved well it's interesting like he, he doesn't have a ton of movies out um but what's interesting is uh, to me to me him and like pta feel like they're they're kind of like our generation's version of kubrick of like when they make a movie yeah, it's gonna be, it's it's an event it's a it's a big deal um, like to us still this but yeah but yeah um well all right so let me <laughs> I'm gonna keep ducking it. Uh, let me bring it back to to, to um, paycheck. <laughs> and paycheck speaking, and speaking of <laughs> paycheck. Hey, so and this was what I kept coming back to, and I'm curious if you would who you would pick for a director. Um, if you had to swap out John Woo, because I I don't think John Woo is the right guy, not because he can't do it, but it it just yeah. this isn't the way this came together with the star power behind it and probably the production company that came with it. 
it, it just, it, the pieces again, didn't fit together for me. I would have, my personal preference would have been, and just because I, I've watched Total Recall recently, I would have loved to have seen Verhoeven have a stab at this because and, I think that would have been super interesting. Who would you want to see well, helm this if it wasn't Wu? Well, I mean, the obvious answer, I, I think, is just because Minority Report is the year before. It, it was just Spielberg. Because um, you'd have to think he does that. He does what he did with Minority Report. Um, but, you know, that could be an answer to everything. For Do you think he could pick um, up the same cynicism, though, but the, 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 the original story had? Or maybe, maybe that's where I think Verhoeven to me would, would, would set I mean, I himself they, apart. I think, they, I think he gets that in Minority Report. It's very much about corruption and things. But to your point, um, so I, I'm I'm stalling a little bit because I'm trying to look up what Verhoeven was doing at this time. And well, man, like it's, no, it's, he's got a big blank spot. Like he does. It's late in his career because he he like he, you 100%, he surges in the ninety early nineties, and then I think his career recedes a little bit in the late late nineties. So he's early 2000s. he's running pretty good. Like Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls, Starship Starship Troopers. Um, so three years between Starship Troopers and Hollow Man. And then it's six he years. Ho- Wait, he made Hollow Man? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Oh, God. That's then not it's good. Six Man's Hollow Man to Black Book. Wait, he did the Sixth Man with Schwarzenegger? No, sorry, sorry. Hollow Man to Black Book. Okay. Um, so 2000, but the 2003 is right smack in the middle of that. Like, they, this would literally be perfect for him it- to have been given. That that's what I see this yeah. as is it's like he would have he would have been somebody who could have picked this up and had the tone immediately. A lot of especially that budget, like that's a massive budget, and you gotta really think he could have done something. Uh, I um, it's interesting. I I was listening to uh, Last Action Heroes a few months ago. I'm sure I've talked about it on here, but they talk about, <laughs> excuse me, they talk about that they were filming in Mexico City, and um. Schwarzenegger had been sold by Verhoeven on what his vision was for it. And so they were having like budgetary problems with filming because they were doing these gigantic sets and they're trying to do this big, big, big movie. And so uh, basically Schwarzenegger was his advocate and he would call the studio and be like, you're giving us more money. We're doing this. And I want to say, I think Total Recall ended up being like a hundred million dollar movie in 1990. And a lot of it probably came from, uh, uh, Schwarzenegger's star power at that time. I'm sorry, 65 million, but that's that's a lot of money in 2000, that's 1990. Big, yeah. That's um, significant. And I, I wonder, I don't know if Verhoeven gets that kind of juice in 2003, but I do no, but think I think, this would I have mean, been a better it was movie with him. Still not too far from like Face Off and stuff. Um, well, and Affleck, know, got, Affleck got 15 million out of this. That's the that's the crazy yeah. thing. And Affleck has basically said he only did this for. for he for always. The they said, "Well, why? Why, like, why did you do that movie?" And he said, "Well, like the answers in the title of the movie, like the paycheck." <laughs> uh, so, but for Verhoeven, um, so the short story, it's very much like the cynicism in it is, is the world's going to develop to a place where, like, 
you either got to align yourself with like the government or a corporation. And like, you can't be an independent citizen anymore. There's like no freedom in that. You have to be within one of these giant entities to be protected. Um, and that really like seems like a wheelhouse for Verhoeven to do something with. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I really can't argue with that. That would be incredibly fascinating to see. I yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I think a lot of the corporate energy that came off of uh, uh, Eckhart in this, if you could wrap some OCP vibes around it, I feel like you've got a fucking home run in terms of like hitting the themes that this movie or this story is supposed to be trying to yeah, hit. You're right that there wasn't enough developed there. It was it was shoddy half half-assed evil corporate culture like yeah what is this bullshit john Woo? come on man <laughs> no I, I, it, that that's just what kept standing out to me was it, yeah um the characters are too two-dimensional throughout and i think uh besides just using greed as motivation or you know, unfortunately, pretending for half the movie or two thirds of the movie that Affleck's a magnanimous character, you don't get a lot of that that kind of conflict. I don't know. It, well, it, and that's why I think Verhoeven would have done a better. Also, job. To that point that man, there, there's an interesting story, and in those three years, Affleck changed and developed into a different person, and now he's going to contend with decisions that person has made. And they don't really get into that. Like, that's a good point. That there should be some progression and change. There's in the, the initial shock, like, oh, they gave up the money, and like, but it's also like maybe he could have set stuff up to like push himself into like, you need to become better, and here's something that would make you do that. Well, it postulates that okay, even as an adult, you lose three years of your life. Uh, after you've already lived it and you don't that doesn't change you in any way shape or form like that just seems well it's sci-fi so i can't i can't criticize it but but yeah but it's a <laughs> I, I know in some ways this is a very boring question um would you give up three years of your life for 92 million dollars um, if I didn't have kids and I was like 30, what, like what Affleck's supposed to be in this? Yeah, probably. But me today? Yeah, I no. Mean, I kind of feel if you're just a single person, any time between like 23 and 35, it's kind of like, yeah, that answer is going to be a hundred percent. Yes. Um, but yeah, with kids, I, the hard part becomes with that is how much you could change their lives with that. But then it's like, well, what does it mean to like not have your parent? But it's like, well, I don't know. Like Augusta can, is a bit of a military town. Like there's plenty of kids. Like if one of the parents is in the military and are gone for long stretches, um, and they decided like seems you could work with that to a degree it's i guess it depends a bit on the age and things but i yeah i don't know it's like almost impossible to because that's such a crazy amount of money of like what you could 
potentially do. You can say you're sorry a lot of times with that much money. I don't know. Yeah, I I I I struggle with it, but I I don't think I could do that. Um, I hear you. Um, I don't know. Like, like I don't think I could do it, but it would bug the shit out of me forever to not have done it, <laughs> knowing that. I think. Like, well, I need to tell you no, and you need to erase my memory about like all of this because like <laughs> I can't live knowing like I could have ninety million dollars like. It's probably really expensive. Can you just erase my memory now instead of waiting three years? Like yeah, every, like every time like money is an issue, like man, it's gonna suck. You know, when I could have had ninety million dollars. Like so. no, it, 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 in theory, it could be something that always haunts you. I I, I agree. It's just uh, um, but it's also like oh, I miss like if you miss like three years and you come back and like. Every time your kid does like makes a mistake, it's like, well, maybe they wouldn't have made that mistake if they had a dad for three years. It's like, or they're dead. Not to be dark, but like, what if they die? <laughs> like, <laughs> like things, things, yeah. things. That's the one thing is like people could pass away and you wouldn't even know because you're you're gone. Uh, or I you did not. It. I did not think about that with kids or stuff. But it's like, holy shit, you're right. If you came back and it's like, yeah, or parents. I mean, like it, it, it extends beyond kids. I mean, like you're you right. you could lose family members. Then the that, kid and, is where it, it hits the heart. Like say I. I don't know. Like I said, I have like a 13 year old and it's like, you know what? I'm going to do it. It's worth it. Like I can pay for any college or anything I want. Like I'm going to do it. And then I come and like, this is really morbid. So I feel horrible to talk about. This. Uh, we're, like, we're, we're really getting into the ending of the mist here with all this. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, Hey, you know what? At like 30 days before you were coming back, she was in a car accident with a friend gone. So you missed all that time and you're not here anymore and it'd be like and the whole your whole objective for doing it's gone it's like fuck yeah the money was not worth it like yeah 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 i think unfortunately we're learning money is probably not worth the the price it is to your family um man we took a real dark turn on this one i uh i have a question for you uh if you had to get one shitty haircut from this movie (laughs) whose haircut you have to live with it for the rest of your life. Who's haircut? The rest of my life. And sunglasses, I should say. We did not talk about sunglasses. Sunglasses, again, are a character in this movie. Um, Ben Affleck has, my wife was watching this with me. She And she even said, he has the worst sunglasses I've ever seen at the beginning of this. It looks like he's wearing kids' sunglasses that don't fit his face. They're so if you, very late 90s, early 2000s. You like very thin style like it's yeah. i i i feel like i probably had a pair of sunglasses that look like this the best way i can describe them is i think they look cool <laughs> <laughs> and that is the most damning thing in the world you really you really think they look cool oh hell yeah <laughs> no come on it looks like his sunglasses when he's playing a blind Matt Murdock in Daredevil. Look, That's why I can't, I get, I can't get behind it. I get it. But I am who I am. <laughs> Had my life experiences. They're like... They're like Pizza Hut cool. <laughs> uh, I will say, don't forget, like, Pizza I Hut... Got some, I got some cool glasses at Pizza Hut. <laughs> do you remember that? You remember, hey, were you somebody who got oh, Pizza Hut? I sure Hut? fucking do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was too. It was Back to the Future sunglasses. Oh yeah. <laughs> I uh 
I definitely These had... are like the 2003 version of this. Jesus Christ, I kind of want to buy some. They're fucking $50 on eBay. <laughs> Oh my, oh my god are they really yeah. i think i I think those are somewhere in my parents house well if you want to make a quick uh, semi quick 50 bucks at least Fuck that. that i'm sending them to you for your birthday i can find them all right well i'm gonna sell them on ebay so i got bad news for you holy <laughs> shit <laughs> holy shit i god i remember wearing these and the kid i played with across oh, yeah. the street he was like one of my uh good friends growing up we he had a different pair i had a different pair his brother had a different pair and we all wore them and we would ride skateboards up and down our street we're like coolest fucking kids on the planet i have not thought about these glasses in 30 30 plus years all right so let's say you take a job for three years memory erased instead of getting the money you open up the envelope and jump into <laughs> pizza hut sunglasses <laughs> worth it worth it hundred <laughs> percent worth it. I um, holy shit! I have not thought of these glasses in fucking forever. Or you negotiate lifetime supply pizza sunglasses. <laughs> can you can you build me a hologram of Doc Brown wearing these sunglasses? I uh oh, no, hundred percent. My I favorite, would... my favorite things in Pizza Hut. So when I when I lived in Rhode Island. Um, in like elementary school, uh, we'd go to Pizza Hut a lot. So my sister and I, did you ever do like book it? We could get the free personal pan pizza. Oh, so all right. So there was. I know, like, you, I know you could get personal pan pizzas. At, yeah. at, I didn't know it was called book it. So I think we had that. Yeah, there's like a book it program. You get like stickers and shit, and like you could go to Pizza Hut and be like, "Hey, I read some books. I get my free personal pan pizza." I do remember that. Yes, I okay. do remember that. So in the other line, we would go to Pizza, and this was in like Pizza Hut was like a legitimate restaurant it was like it's like you're going out to dinner when you went yeah. to pizza hut you were going out right. it wasn't like pizza is now where it's but it, like yeah <laughs> Not that bullshit little caesars that asshole papa john like, all right you know what you could buy like beer at pizza hut back then <laughs> they, had, they, had a, they had a salad bar it was very classy yeah yeah arcade machines i remember it there was uh, i went to the one that was on uh Wrightsboro road you know when you know an et when they're at the opening scene and they're like playing at the table and they have that lamp over it. That's exactly that what every dinner was table. Over every table at Pizza Hut. Like it, it was, was a awesome. real classy place. All right. <laughs> so, so, and I'm sure I'm exaggerating this, but my memory, my family would go there like every Friday night, but I'm sure it was like occasionally on Friday night. Next Friday. time I see your dad, I'm going to ask, I'm going to interrogate him about Pizza How often? Hut. <laughs> so, but so, we would go there a lot because book it things would get you a free personal pan pizza. So you go, you get a breadstick appetizer. <laughs> Kids get their free personal pan pizza. Adults split whatever they split. I have no idea. I know my dad gets some beer. Um, and your mom. <laughs> um, she would do some beer with pizza. Yes, that is the only time she'll drink beer with pizza. I was trying to make a sexual joke, but that's okay. Let's keep going. All right, all right. <laughs> you f- but so any promotion pizza hut did in the, that area i was well aware of so they pizza did a final four basketball thing jesus christ like a, it's like, like right a free bas- family you like, family's you like a basketball yeah but obviously it was like super cheap because 
they were stored in our basement and the combination of they're stored in like the area i think where like the furnace kind of was it was the basement and it was in rhode island so it got like fucking cold as hell as well so the basketballs would warp and they'd get these weird like lumps on them and things and so he'd like dribble up and he'd randomly hit like this like goiter lump thing on the basketball and it's like shoot off in a weird direction and uh so I, I I have uh, fond memories of Pizza Hut promotional programs. <laughs> hey everybody, did you get your Lynn Bias basketball? <laughs> all right. Oh my god! Uh, also, I I had we had all those sunglasses. <laughs> I I I I don't I did not have them all. I know I did not have them all, but I had Miami Vice color. <laughs> I had definitely had the red and green with the triangle. And then oh, I had the best, the ones with the uh, pink, um, um, oh, your piece, pink and white, the pink and black. I had the pink and black, oh, pink ones. and black. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm gonna have to Google these later. I, I'm definitely looking at them right I wanna, now. I want to, I want to put some time into looking at these. <laughs> I, I definitely have pictures of me as a kid with like my cousins were over and friends were over, and it's us like wearing the something. <laughs> <laughs> They were two dollars in like nineteen eighty nine. I have to try to find. I have to try to find them. Send you some. <laughs> do, uh, do if you have them, you should keep them and sell them. You could probably put your kids through college. Oh, no, I mean, if I have any of those pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah, pictures, yes, pictures, yes. But I'd say, uh, based on the way put the economy's my, put going, my kids through college. <laughs> you could probably put your kids through college in about five more years if you just hold the glasses and let them appreciate some more. Um, so page. <laughs> <laughs> What if that was the sunglasses? Oh, man. What that would that would be the fucking oh, zenith of film for me. If John Woo's like, we're using 1988 every, uh, 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 Pizza Hut promotional sunglasses. Every, everyone, every now and then, something comes along, and I'm like, this is why <laughs> I can never be a rich person. Because if I ever get any kind of like real money, I would do something stupid with it. And something stupid with it is replacing all the sunglasses in this movie with the Pizza Hut sunglasses. Like just digitally going in and paying someone. I need digital replacements of these Pizza Hut sunglasses into all these movies. Like, <laughs> what scenes. did you what did you do with your, all your money? I bought Skywalker Ranch and I used all of its resources <laughs> to to put sunglasses in every American film since the beginning of time. Yeah, so all these movies are on hold because ILM is putting pizza sunglasses into every movie from 1988 to 2008 god what a rabbit hole i could i could there's commercials on youtube i uh yeah it's all it's all back to the future i man are we ever going to cover that at some point should we ever do back Back to the the future Future? oh man that'd be fun it's too it's almost too big it's we gotta figure out our angle on it because it's been done like so much. Like, where are we coming from on that one? I have no angle other than I love it, and I, I, yeah, I, no, I love it. it. It may be the movie I've seen more than any other movie, the most. Yeah. Because of cable television, like, yeah, I got to look up later. Like, what, do, what are the? I hope there's an estimate out there for how much Michael J. Fox made on that movie's like <laughs> replay. No, there's like. Three or four movies where that, that falls into it, where like it is good enough where it holds up, but it's also like I saw it so many times at a young age where it's like it's just like unassailable in my mind. That's one of them for me. Yeah, like 
a person like criticizing it will kind of like break my brain and it's like no you're wrong and i can't articulate or reason out why because it runs so deep into my dna of like loving this and i I took the kids to see it and it's it still holds up like yeah no i did all three with my kids um that like a few years ago but like yeah they i mean they enjoyed it enough where we did all three of them like and three is pretty bad so if they can make it through the first two and that's like, enough momentum i actually like three more than two what the fuck did you just say yeah i know are you serious i do what how why what um so this right, feels like you up. cheated on me i don't know why <laughs> but like doesn't make sense to me also, I fucked your wife. Which one are you more upset about? Back to the future, too. <laughs> yeah. It's an easy answer. Come on. It doesn't. No, no, no. So, all right. So, there's a few things in Back to the Future, too, that kind of bug me. Um, some of the stuff with, like, the some of the future stuff with, like, him and the family, that scene doesn't, like, fully work with work for me. It's, like, gets a little, like, I don't know, goofy, convoluted, whatever. Um but probably the main reason is no Crispin Glover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was really, <laughs> really mad about that. No, so um, when I when I was a kid, we did a lot of vacations. So my dad traveled a lot for work, and that, that's when uh, doing like frequent flyer miles and like hotel points would get you like really get you something. Um, so we would do a vacation in the summer. My dad grew up in Southern California, and we would go out to California and do, like, Disney, like, Knott's Berry Farm, Universal. Um, and so, so one year, my aunt and my cousins and my grandmother came with us. We went, and we did all the theme parks, and we did all the stuff. It was awesome. And I feel like, I mean, maybe I've told you a story, but we were supposed to fly back. And because it was back when they were, like, printed out tickets, and there was a misprint on the tickets. We missed our flight. And so we had to stay one more night. Uh, and so we went and get a hotel near the airport. And it was like a really cool, like, really cool. Like, the pool was really cool at this hotel. So that was awesome. Within walking distance, the hotel was like a baseball card shop. And that was awesome. <laughs> and then that night, uh, we get room service and we get a movie from the hotel pay-per-view. And that movie was Back to the Future 3. And that was the first Back to the Future movie I ever saw. Really? So, okay. All right. All right. Because uh, it would have been shortly after it came out because it was on the hotel, like, pay-per-view stuff. So it's like so, 1990. Yeah. 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 And so like, I have a deep fondness um, for that movie. I mean, it's... That's fair. I it's the first one I saw in theaters too. Obviously, I mean, well, the first one came out what eighty five, and then yeah. I don't, what, and then what year did Back to the Future two come years out? Off. It, yeah, it, it had to be like eighty seven, eighty eight. You think because they're, they're pretty quick back to back. Let me see. It's eighty nine, and then okay, okay, and they must have yeah. done three right after that. I think they filmed I mean, two and three together. Two and two be continued. So yeah. So I, th- I think they or filmed them included, um, back to back when they did yeah. it, but. So I remember going to see three in theaters in Augusta. Um, there, it's gone now, but there was a uh, uh, a building at Daniel Village that was off to one side. Oh, that was really probably two minutes from my house, 
actually maybe not even two minutes if you're driving. And I remember going up there with uh, JP Jones and his brother and we went to go see, <laughs> cause he lived across the street from me. So we, we went up there and uh, we went and saw Back to the Future 3 in theaters. I remember like, I was old enough that like I enjoyed the fact that I was getting to see it. Mm. I didn't enjoy it as much as I want. But I also remember not enjoying it as much as I wanted to because the Western stuff just didn't land for me. Like it never, uh, okay. never resonated. I don't know why, but I'm just, yeah. So I, I, two, I watched a ton on cable. Um, three to me was always the weak point. And I always think it's funny that, uh, Michael J. Fox also plays like his at this point they're like yeah, yeah. fuck it. He he's gonna be the guy who's his, his great 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 uncle from 1875. Like whatever. Yeah, like we don't care. Like Zemeckis is like, I'm cashing the check. I don't have to give a shit about this. Whatever. Yes, I'll, I'll probably seeing it like the next summer after it's come out. So it's at, it's at like a hotel you can just rent it. Okay. Um but like it's like I think my family at that age really like hit or miss on going to the movies and stuff. So like, um, and obviously I've grown up with someone who loves movies. So I think at that time I was didn't even realize how hungry I was for like movies, and so like they made a big impact on me. Um, when I watched something, at that I time. uh, I remember going to see the Rocketeer in theaters around this time too, <laughs> and. Spoiler alert, worth it. So, um, worth well, it. we have, <laughs> we have, we have gone the stratosphere of paycheck. I love it. We've also gone <laughs> really long on paycheck. I know. I was thinking, I was like, we're going to do maybe an hour and a half on this max. And I'm like, well, but my count, we're at least two hours and 15 minutes into this. So, so. Right. So, no, I knew going into this, I was like, no, we're going to go long because there's so many shooting off points from this. Talk about <laughs> Now I want to watch. I'm going to go watch Back to the Future Three, which I understand. Back to the Future Three, but (laughs) I I can't make fun of it because I I your reasoning of like I appreciate the fact that seeing it in an age where you did it with family, it was been a very memorable experience. I don't, I can't fault you. I don't, I don't blame you. I remember. um, Yeah, I don't know what year they put it in. I had a my friend lived across the street. uh, Chris put. His family would go to Universal or Disney every year, and they were Catholic, and there was like nine of them. And they would drive. And I'll tell you, as from Augusta, you've done it from Augusta to Orlando yeah. with nine kids. Sounds fucking horrible. Fuck. Yeah. But I remember they went, to, I think they went to Universal yeah. one year, and it, and it was like back when they carried around like a fucking VHS camera on your oh, shoulder. Nice. And they videoed like going to the Back to the Future ride at Universal. I never got to do that. I was always pissed. Of the back, you didn't do the back. To the future I never ride. did the Back to the Future ride at Universal. I Have always you done feel the like Simpsons I... ride. Yeah, I did with you. Yeah, it's the same fucking ride. <laughs> all right, no. Yeah, yeah. Just replace like all this with like all the all the Simpsons with Doc Brown yelling, "He's got to get you back." <laughs> what was it like two summers ago? It was like I think I met you guys yeah. down. Okay, all right. That's kind of a bummer. Like that really bums me out. <laughs> that's that's what. What? No, yeah, it's fine. It's great, but yeah, it's it's the same. Well, it was in the it was in the same building, the same cars you get into, the same whole thing. Like, I always thought you got into like a DeLorean. Like that was like my yeah, image they made of like, like what? Yeah, they made it look like a DeLorean, but 
turns out it looked like it uh, the also, same place. Also, like yeah. a Simpsons car. Okay, that's yeah, a real bummer. Yeah, it was the same. So you, you've you've had the experience, just didn't get the. Uh, you didn't get Biff doing uh, shitty dad jokes on the wall in the uh, during during the line while you're waiting to get into it. Did they get Thomas Wilson to actually? Oh, do they stuff? sure did. Okay. Well, I missed out on that stuff, and that that that, that is know. a shame. That's that must hurt. That must hurt. I, I will say, I did get my kids uh, without asking them. They they chose the other morning before they went to school. They're like, "We want to watch something." I was scrolling through Disney Plus, and The Simpsons went by, and they're like, "Can we watch The Simpsons?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let's go." Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And I think they watched uh, Little House of uh, Little Tree House of Horrors <laughs> six because it was the only one that was on. It was the one with groundskeeper Willie. Is it's pretty Kruger, and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, you guys should watch this before you go to school. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll forget about it by the time yeah. school's done. <laughs> You're good. So, all right. Well, for the sake of time, because I just really, I know, I know we're we're horrendously yeah, over been... on this. Um, what what would you rank uh, <laughs> paycheck? Because we 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 stopped talking about it probably an hour ago at this point. <laughs> so you know. There's a bunch of podcasts I listen to that make me feel better about like I'm like because I'm excited to listen to it. I'm like, man, I think I got in that two hours got 30 minutes of the movie touch. <laughs> you know what? I did want a little bit more. <laughs> I'll tell you, for me, the, the whole refresh of memory on the the Pizza Hut sunglasses for Back to the Future too. <laughs> if anybody it. has a problem with us not talking about paycheck, go fuck yourself. I don't care. I had a great time talking about things that really made me happy in my childhood. Honestly. We'd probably be smarter to release this as the talking about Pizza Hut sunglasses. I was thinking the same thing. We should. Like, that's the tagline. Yeah. Paycheck, the movie that introduced Back <laughs> to the Future Pizza Hut sunglasses. Uh, I'm good with it. I, I I love it. I would be happy if that's if that's if that's what people people want to come here about. I'm happy to talk about let's talk about the green and the pink sunglasses. <laughs> All right, so rating this. Oof. I, I, ha- I was pretty confident in my rating, and then talking about this, I'm like, man, this feels a little high. Because I don't think we quite hit on all the positive stuff I would have hit on. Because I think we talked about strong supporting cast, and like, and the concept is strong. There's a good movie in here, and it does carry you through a good ways. You're like, I want to see what they do with this, and they don't really pay it off enough, but it's a strong enough concept where it's like, oh man, it's, it's interesting. But you know, they fall flat and stuff. So I, I, I had a, I think two and a half out of five Giamatti's on, a, on, on my <laughs> I, uh, I think that's fair. That's pretty much where I landed. I had, uh, and actually the conversation we just had uh, was completely unrelated to this, but I had two and a half out of five, 2003 future sunglasses uh, is my rating. I agree. It's it's frustrating. Um, I think watching this every time, all the way through, the whole time I kept thinking there is a much better movie that's in here. Yeah, that's um, the problem. I, I know it's we've there. We've kind of seen that as well. Yeah, like Total Recall and, and like, Minority Report the year before. Right. Again, there we're, are we're, movies out there that have yeah. this DNA in them. And I think this just felt too much like... Um, like producer i don't know what the term is like it felt like somebody just put what are the hot button things we can put into a hat and just shake it up and just pull a name out of a hat and it's It's gonna be like it's almost like a bad bond movie 
I like what's hot yeah right and let's just crank that out and like, kind of like, of like the the roger moore era bond movies are just like what like oh star spaces that's like that's a moon right here um but my other question on this for ranking it is <laughs> if if you had said three out of five my reaction would have been well that's a little high if you had said one out of five it's probably too I would have been no i would have been like yeah i see that I, I, I think I can't, I can't argue with it. So, yeah, it's it's got some problems. I I I wanted I wanted this to be better. That was the one thing I, I took away from this was the whole time watching it. I like John Woo, and I like I like the supporting cast, and I, I like a lot of the crew. It's just it just never coalesces around something that you can really enjoy. I don't know. It, it just it's a it's a bummer. It's not what I. I wanted this to be so much better. I'd be curious to see this. I'm not sure how engaged Affleck is in it. I'd be curious to see it with a lead, a just a different lead, a different lead of this time. I don't know who I would put in this though. Like, um, or no, I I I did, I did. I'm sorry. I think I said that in my notes. My bad. Or I was texting Matt Damon. Well, Matt Damon was their choice that they wanted initially. That's who who Wu's first choice was, but. I'd be curious to see like a Colin Farrell at this point. And I think we, I think we saw it in SWAT. And then, <laughs> but even even I mean Minority Report being the year before, if, when, if this was like a Tom Cruise, I think you need an older actor. I think that's exactly. It. I think you need an actor who's like ten years older than Affleck at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and that's yeah. My that's my a, my choice was Clive Owen. And like, yeah, like I, I think yeah, about Clive Owen and um. God, I'm gonna get the, the title wrong, but um, Actually, chil- you know Children what? of Men. I feel like a Children of Men oh. version of Clive Owen could be really good in this. Or you know what? You'd obviously change how you were dressing him and whatnot a little bit. What about just Paul Giamatti? As I'm good with that. I'm fine with it because I think that would be interesting. He can sell the emotional range of the humor, and he can sell the emotional right. range of the the fear and, you, and concern. And you believe him so much more as the genius engineer. And then he could really sell everything that's happening afterwards. Well, and, and too and problem. too much of this relies on the physicality of Affleck, and I I, I think that's what and that's um, not what it's about. Yeah. No, and I think about what it what was it? Um, uh, Wu said so smart. This is supposed to be yeah. the Cary Grant version of what what yeah he, Hitchcock to had do North by Northwest exactly. But I I'm like I don't think even in North by Northwest, Cary Grant's not a physical guy no, he's trying to just get away yeah. from 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 bad shit that's happening to him and figure out what what like what what's the plot that's going on around him and i think i'd rather see a paul G- i think that's a great idea i'd rather see paul giamatti as the lead in this yeah. than than affleck because affleck never seems like he's in danger he never seems like he's incapable and he never feels like the odds are actually stacked against him because he's always going to figure it out because he he's like going to yeah, he's gonna shit eating grin his way out of something. And that just gets yeah. it always old. seems okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and like, it gets kind of like a you go through like you hit a 30 minute point of like, okay, we've already seen this. Yes. Like, okay, great. Like mugly figuring his way out of this thing. He's gonna bang all the really hot women in this, and then he's gonna lose his memory, and then he's gonna bang another hot woman, and he's gonna be too smart to figure it out. It's just you yeah. need you 
I think having a, a, a somebody who's got less of a physical presence would make this more of a thriller type of movie. Right, because they can't physical their way out there. They gotta think yeah, about like I watched the end of um, yeah. Dress to Kill, the the De Palma movie, and the ending, the 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 guy that you're supposed to kind of be rooting for. We well, spoiler, you you've seen it, right? Uh, I have not. Uh, okay, I'm not gonna. All right, I'm gonna stop talking. I I don't want to ruin it because it's a really interesting movie. It's not aged well in a lot of ways for for modern themes, but it's. I don't. I don't want to spoil the twist. But it might be accurate to the eighties. <laughs> it's if definitely it's accurate. Well. It's definitely accurate to the eighties. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. But not always in a good way. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah. It. So all right. Look at let's. All right. Let's let's look into the future. What are we watching next? <laughs> <laughs> let's tie uh, this well, shit together. Come on. It's all coming together. It's all. Well, I looked out. into the I looked into the future, and uh, apparently the killer is hard to hard hard to get <laughs> on streaming because <laughs> you know there's 20 million streaming services. God forbid one of them has the killer on this. One story. of them has like one of the peaks of, of a director's career. And like it. yeah, like oh thank God HBO Max has Paycheck and not the killer. I know. What well, the fuck? like it'd be that expensive to have the killer. Like apparently it is. Like that many people are watching Paycheck. Um, J Lo is. <laughs> I uh I no I, I I had a hard time. I watched. I ended up watching a bootleg. It was high def, so it didn't really matter. But somebody bootlegged uh to live and die in L A on YouTube, and I'm like, I really want to watch it. I haven't watched Which it in a long time. I, I think you can get the killer on YouTube that way. As you well. probably can. can like, you probably can. Yeah, depending on what you want to get, I can't talk to quality, but but I think hard boiled is a little more available. It, it is. I think it's. I think you can rent it on. I, I believe Prime. So I think we're gonna do that next. We're gonna do uh, the. I mean, probably the the. They're both. I think ex- they're both extremely available in this house, but <laughs> I, I think I've got hard boiled on DVD from like twenty uh, years. Actually, you're gonna. All right, you remember my sixteenth birthday? I. Sh- do? We went to a Mexican restaurant. I uh, you I think it was pants. like, huh? no, that was me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody gave me, maybe you gave me uh, a DVD of John Woo movies. Now that I think about it, and I think it was you. Sounds like a J move. I don't know. No, I I think it was like you and me. No, that guy's an asshole. Was... And a couple of girls that I never that never went like it never worked out for me for her and um. I feel like maybe you gave me hard boiled on DVD. Possible. It is possible. But it was like a yeah. Don Pablo's or it's something a like that. A long time ago. <laughs> um I've been to yeah. a lot of Mexican restaurants and given a lot of DVDs. Uh, I've eaten a lot of tacos and shit my pants a lot. Um but yeah, I think it was uh anyway, so we're gonna watch Hard Boiled next. I think that's gonna probably be our last John yeah. Woo movie. Yeah, um, I'm a little intimidated to do that one, I'll be honest that's so it's a good. big movie it's a really good yeah. movie it's a really big one i've i've not right. seen it in it's, probably 20 years or more it's got a lot going on but it's all like so good like i'm always the podcast i don't want to and this one we maybe we're more negative but i don't ever want to do like just pure gushing or pure negativity i want to have some balance talk about it and like worried hard-boiled 
is just going to be gushing. Um, but that's fine. I'd rather be gushing. Hey, we made it for this episode because instead of being completely negative, we talked about sunglasses. But maybe a good balance. Yeah, good balance points for this one. And Pizza Hut sunglasses. And, yeah. and Pizza Hut. This is gonna. This might be our longest episode, and it's it's probably the worst. <laughs> We're really just not stopping. <laughs> we've we've talked about shittier canon movies less than we have about this. When are we doing a cyborg again? <laughs> um, never. I feel like it's pop. Van Damme's popular. I'm trying. What is the canon movie I just watched? That was like, oh god! I just watched a canon movie. Um, well, I watched Lone Wolf was McQuaid. It, I was but, gonna say, was it was it one of their ones with a lot of sex in it <laughs> or a lot of action? It was something that surprised me. It was a canon movie. Oh, okay. I did watch Death yeah, Wish two. They get a few of those. It wasn't Death Wish two, and it wasn't Death Wish three, but it was. Uh... Oh shit! I'm sorry. I'm gonna go look at my letterbox real quick and just see. But we do um, need to. Uh do another canon run again you know what i miss them i uh they're 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 there's something terrible yet charming about them and uh i really although i will say like we did like 52 pickup and like that's a pretty good movie yeah it's an all more leonard movie still it's canon uh... and so it's good it's like weird canony things but then it's also like really good at times like that's what I love about doing those. Like you kind of you can discover some things. It's like, oh man, there's some really good stuff happening in this movie, and it's good. It's weird canon things also happening. But yeah, I watched uh, Burt Reynolds' movie called Heat. That's what it was. I was watching it for another podcast I listened to, and uh, uh, it was not great. But I could probably do a run of every Burt Reynolds movie action movie from the '80s and just have <laughs> a really man, a really good time. A hell of a, dude, that'd be a hell of a good time. And just talk i could exclusively talk about his wig in all of those movies let's do it all right all right you look like you're about to fall asleep so i guess it's time for us to go to go and punch out because we've been doing this for two and a half hours and uh it's 10 45 so uh all right it was good talking about paycheck uh yeah (laughs) turns out we should never watch it again but we're gonna do hard boiled to make up for the difference for everybody and uh yeah it was fun I'm too tired. <laughs> I don't have anything. I'll just punch this out as saying, if you want to watch this movie, go watch Total Recall instead or Minority Report, and you'll be a lot happier. Well, this movie is on uh, HBO Max right now. so It is on HBO Max, so you please can, don't support you can, it. You can watch this if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Catch you next week for Hard Boiled. <laughs>